0: Listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a busters didn't know what happened to them
1: there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully
0: Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down home cheating. Good down, good down home cheating, sure.
2: Welcome back to another week in the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes.
3: Glad to be back. Thank you for joining us one more time. It's a very special episode because now we get to introduce my favorite performer. Well, maybe not right now, but as in this episode. (laughs)
2: He's coming, he's coming. So, yeah, we've been getting off. The show's going. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey. Let's, let's edit that Ooh. out. Whoa!
3: No, it's all Keeper. We <laughs> keep everything. Every flub, every <laughs> stub. <laughs> 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 okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the show's
2: <laughs> no, been running. No getting off. <laughs> <laughs> no getting off. <laughs> show's been going for a few weeks and, you know, getting some good feedback. Uh, we just last week had our AWA episode, Growing Up AWA, and got some po- pretty positive feedback. Want to shout out to our good friend Ron Moore over at the Manitoba Money Shot podcast. He did yet another episode featuring oh, poor old us. You know, it was great.
0: Yours truly.
2: That's right. Yeah, so we want to thank him. Loving the support. Loving some of the comments we're seeing. People really, the AWA thing, you know, brought them back to their childhood. All that good stuff. And that's why we're here. We're here to bring those memories, bring back that, you know, that time that you loved wrestling in a way that you just can't anymore.
3: That's right. Well, you can, but we choose not to.
4: <laughs>
3: we choose to love the stuff that we uh, once loved. Uh, going back through YouTube, I can just type in the name of some performer and uh, I get to see stuff that he did before I was watching him on WWF right. or AWA. Um or after, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, just it's such a whole new world. You get to see shoot interviews as well, and everything's changed, and we really are getting to relive our childhoods in some way uh, and, and and go further by getting to That's learn, right. you know, who the personalities are. Some t- For better or for worse, you know, who the real heroes are. That's right. Like, DDP's got a heart of gold. Never my f- never my favorite guy in the ring, right. but, yeah, like, yeah. like, talk about, you know, uh, a guy who, who's awesome outside of the ring and helps out helps people out.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's so many different layers to all these stories and people, and but you know we're focusing on what it was we watched on the screen, what we got to see in those rare times we were in arenas and actually saw the shows, but mostly what we watched on TV and what uh, made us fans and kept us fans. So we're here to talk about a special Halloween edition of Saturday Night's main event. Oh oh
3: oh!
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it was real. Um they actually went for, uh, the tone for one second to me was like going to be super creepy because, yeah. you know, they had the music from a movie about a psycho killer, you know, a <laughs> mass murderer, Michael Myers. I thought, I honestly thought... That's
2: what it sounded like. It but we sounded both realized like... it was, in and I figured it out afterwards too. So, uh, Tubular Bells, I believe, is the name of the music that's playing during some of the promos at the very beginning of the reel, at the opening of the show, and it did have a very familiar... Sound to the Halloween horror movie theme song
3: with Jamie Lee Curtis, of
2: course, yes. And then when I first looked it up, I you know I, I was taken to a page that just had the music. It didn't mention anything. And then when I I closed that page and I needed to write this down, so I looked it up again. But the second time I looked it up, I found out it was the theme song for The Exorcist.
0: Oh wow!
2: So that's why it's so familiar.
3: Yeah. Well, and why that? No wonder it was so creepy. Yeah. So striking. That. Yeah. Like um and and I mean that was pretty much only I think the uh, Terry Funk promo that had that uh... and the
2: very opening sequence with Heenan as well. In okay, Eugene. yeah, the right. two, the two, the bookends. The, okay. the opening and the closing. Yeah. Well,
3: anyway, we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we're not there yet. We don't want to launch into the actual meat of episode three of Saturday Night's main event without <laughs> talking about some of the stuff that happened. You know, some of the build, the storyline, yeah. the characters who had heat and what was, uh, you know, culminating in the show. You know, yeah, as well as sure. we'll be talking about what they set up later. But so. Th- The first half of our show will be about uh, some of the things that happened on TV. To get us there. Daytime.
2: That's right. And so there was only a month between the two episodes. So this is the first time we're seeing a Saturday Night's Main event with a short turnaround time. We had a spring main event. We had an entire summer and part of a fall, which gave us so much content. (laughs) As you saw last time, we ended up with a long two-part episode. Uh, But this time... It's really only four weeks, but because we're bringing in characters who didn't wrestle on that last show, we do need to look back at the summer, because really, the summer brought us of 85, brought us two major heel characters had their introductions. One was not going to be around for a long time, but it was a good time, and the other one became probably the second biggest star of the 80s, and all hail to Ric Flair, but I'm sorry, Jeff's man, Macho Man Randy Savage, at his peak from, let's say, 87 to 89... He was a bigger star than Ric Flair because, by virtue of being in the WWF, and given that that spot, you know, he was given that. You know, when Hogan went to do his movie, Macho Man got to turn his actual, um, you know,
3: momentum. You could say, yeah, everything yeah, else. His, his
2: his popularity. That's what's the word I'm struggling to find. He was able to turn that, and he was given the chance to run with the ball for a moment, yeah. and we saw how big of a star he was.
3: Well, like, Absolutely, um, Macho Man was in the right place at the right time. Oh, yeah. And uh, his accomplishment is all the greater because uh, he was not the same size as the rest of these behemoths that's right. in the ring. I heard himself just a minute ago say,
0: 235 pounds
3: coming at you. And I'm like, yeah. that's so tiny. You know? <laughs> in comparison to the giants yeah. of the 80s. Just last summer, I was like 222. You know, pretty fat, but never mind. That's, <laughs> the, that's not the point.
0: Uh, anyway, so, well... There it is. The Cats. Hell of a bag. Yeah. Randy Macho Man Savage. Dig it. Five, four, second generation wrestler <laughs> coming the Mid-South. Yeah. Dig it. I could go on all day, but I won't. We'll keep it. So, uh,
2: yeah. We've got a lot of, you know, Macho Man set up to do, of course. And But the other person we really got to tip our cap to is Terry Funk. So this is the first example during this expansion era where Vince McMahon brought in a former NWA champion. You know, he would see he had a lot of clout. I believe his movie career had already started before he made this transition. So he's all over the place. Yeah. But in the yeah, 70s, he's Sylvester a. Sylvester
0: Stallone. Yeah. And uh, Paradise Alley is <laughs> breaking my heart. <laughs> and uh, he's got a brother who's a big wrestler. Yeah. And uh, he tells he's got the finishing move. The ice clamps
3: use the ice clamps because that's what they do for a living. They, you know, back when refrigerators weren't plugged in, right? You literally had a block of ice that very slowly melted, and but kept your felt, uh, food cool. Yeah. So his brother was this big ox blonde who, <laughs> who carried, you know, an eighty-pound ice block up the flights of. Stairs
0: and then in the ring <laughs> that was his finisher, the ice, clamps. the ice clamps. And Terry
3: Funk is his, you know, big heel main boss oh, villain wow. yeah, towards yeah. the end of the movie. Me- For some reason, they wrestle in what amounts to a Mr. Turtle pool. I mean, not in size, but in depth. They've got ankle yeah. deep water. So yeah, every move yeah. is like big splash. It's like it's just really crazy. Yeah.
2: Carrie Funk had a very successful career. I, you don't want to get too far ahead of herself. But I mean, Roadhouse. Roadhouse was what I was going to bring up. That's a little bit further down the road after this. But mm-hmm. I mean, the point is, is that he's a tremendous performer. Um, he's a legit wrestler. You know, he, he comes from, you know, second generation. His, his brother, Dory, uh, you know, I believe is a two-time champ. He's a he's a one-time NWA uh, heavyweight champion, won it in 1975, wrestling out of Florida, beat uh briscoe and uh took, took that title and the, the neat thing about that one is that it's like the storyline of it anyways is that dory didn't show up for the match for the for the, t- the for this like you know challenge and so ter- terry funk stepped in in his place to challenge I mean, wow. briscoe and oh he won goodness. yeah so i mean I, i'm assuming it was all for you his know, first nwa title yeah you yeah, just yeah. Said. And, and only his, his, oh. his only nwa oh. heavyweight oh. what year was yeah. that 75
3: Amazing. So just to uh, set your imagination going a little bit, we have a cowboy character we're talking about. he, uh, His body didn't particularly change over the years. Man, no. did he have a long career. But he's a um, lean fellow, yeah. you know, uh, average height. I mean, for a wrestler, maybe. Yeah, a big guy,
2: but not for a wrestler.
3: Yeah, not for a wrestler, a big guy. Uh, and uh, in the current incarnation, Tobacco chewing and spitting, (laughs) and he's wearing the chaps, and he's got a branding iron. I mean, this angle's already covered a bit by Ace Cowboy Bob Orton, you know, the whole thing. But um, anyway, uh, that's what funk has always been a... uh, a boisterous coming at From the you, Double Cross Ranch. Yeah, and you know there was a tinge. I mean, he was a brawler. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, brawl man. His brother was more scientific. And yeah, that, and, and, you he, said, and he
2: was more scientific back in the seventies. Right. I think he developed his character into this outlaw bounty hunter. You know, like.
3: And by the end, he's like chewing barbed wire and spitting, you know, oh God, nails.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's—he, I don't know how many retirement matches he's had, but uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, ex- what
3: the explosion match? I oh, think yeah. that—that's that's big, right. famous. The, the yeah. yeah, the sure. ring is wrapped around with like <laughs> TNT.
2: <laughs> so, like we said. Uh, You know, we've got, uh, it's a pretty neat card, I would say. And I think when I look at it, this is the first of these main events where we don't see that really obvious, like, oh, there's the enhancement match. You know, like, there isn't one of those. Like, we've... Where's my Duke of Dorchester? (laughs) (laughs) Pete Doherty
3: could have made an appearance. Now, I don't actually know if I saw this entire card, but I did have a, I do have a lasting memory. I dressed as Zorro the year... That this TV show aired, and so did Tito Santana. So I felt the kinship, <laughs> like you I know. was, yeah. And and I always liked the swashbuckling sword hero books and Dungeons and Dragons. So to see Hero as a you know a fencing, yeah. you know Zorro uh, really got my imagination going. So I, I maybe they showed a clip of the uh, Halloween party games on yeah. Saturday morning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and so I don't know that I actually got to see this card.
2: Oh, I, de- I definitely saw it, but again, because I didn't record it, I don't have the same memories and, you know, even something as simple as like, oh my God, Tito Santana gets to have a title defense on, on Saturday Night's Event. He's, he's intercontinental champion. Like, you know, it's I like. I feel I didn't it, see this. It's, you know, I definitely saw it and I remembered it as soon as I saw it, but I always kind of thought in my mind, like he missed his glory period, missed this exposure, you know, but, yeah. it, but it didn't. It was here.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: So it's so it's it's really good for that. If, if you
3: think, only look at the WrestleManias, then you don't get a very good picture right. no, of what no, no, Tito no. Santana <laughs> yeah, meant so, to There's a couple
2: of wins. The bookends book the wins. One of them is a dark match, and then the middle is just all Tito not doing very well.
3: Poor Tito.
2: Poor Tito. Love him. Uh, but I I dare I say this might be the most iconic Man event ever. Just from the imagery of the of the Halloween party, I think like that's you know probably sticks out more than anything. You know, <laughs> Miss Elizabeth in her uh, Tarzan and Jane costume. There, it's like you know, and just the 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 bob and frapples. And- oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, we're gonna get there, but we gotta, like I said, as always, we gotta set it up.
3: So. Uh, right. Well, take it away. As Corey was saying, we're going to go back a little further in time because we didn't want to talk about Savage until this episode. That's
2: right. We almost introduced him in the last episode because, of course, he arrived during the summer. But because he wasn't on the card, we felt like, hey, let's save it. Let's let's put it all in one together and we'll do that right now.
3: We made so. an executive decision.
2: <laughs> but they're not the only ones on the card. There's a really important feud that's been brewing over the summer that comes to a head in many ways uh, over these Saturday's main events and that's ricky the dragon steamboat in don morocco so i'd watched a match it's july 5th is the air date and basically uh steamboat's already in the ring and he hasn't taken off any of his garb yet he's still fully dressed in his and this is deep into his his sort of karate kung fu gimmick like he's really playing it up heavy at this point
3: we get the shoes with the big toe
2: yeah that's right the ninja boot says we called them in a previous episode <laughs> um So Don Morocco comes out second but literally just sneak attacks Steamboat. He gets to come oh. in and just hit him from behind.
3: Did we mention this one? I guess not on no, sneak this, attack this, episode.
2: No, we didn't. No, no. Because no. no. it's oh. just part of a match. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like he gets a couple of shots and he gets an advantage. Right. It's, not like a, right, right. it's not like he's hiding behind a corner of a, a chair or something. A little shout
3: out to Patreon. At some point, we hope you might consider checking out our bonus episodes, including one focusing on sneak attacks, which this is worthy of.
2: Yeah. Stay tuned for the, the URL, because if you go to Patreon, you are actually you can't just search us. You have to have the exact URL. It's the way it works on unfortunately so we'll, we'll make sure we shout that out at the end of the first half because once we get up that sec episode two and three of growing up AWA you know we, that's where you are gonna need to go to hear it and um, and yeah we hope you do so this match is a uh, pretty short like all these televised matches would be in the day and both guys are using a lot of martial arts. Like, even Morocco is doing all these, like, chops and stuff, as if, like, Fuji's maybe training him to be more of, like, a, you know... Right. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the ancient <laughs> arts. And... Uh, but Bruno notes very early in the match that Morocco's bleeding, and he is. He's got blood pouring down his face, and I think it's a hard way. I think, like, basically Steamboat accidentally catches him, you know, basically above his nose, between his eyes somewhere, somewhere in the, you know, eyebrow, but more to the middle. And, yeah, there's blood all over his face. You know, it's uh, it's surprising.
3: Wow. Well, uh, that can happen, actually. Uh, not to derail too much, but um, one time when I was uh, doing some shooting for a TV show that really only happened one time, but there was a fake, obviously fake, boxing match, <laughs> and it went wrong. Somebody got punched. Somebody went to the hospital and got stitched up. Yeah. So when I got there for my chance to play a boxer, this person said, okay, now guys, now, now, now don't hate each other. <laughs> because somebody got popped and yeah, and yeah. bled.
4: Yeah,
3: Actually, and the guy who did, though, had scar tissue. He was a boxer and had been hit in the ring and busted up. So, oh, you know, yeah, because
2: when you have the scar tissue, you're much more likely to bleed.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, so sometimes it happens, and surprisingly, and it does That could be happen. Morocco, right? I mean, sure, he yeah. played
2: it a lot, so he probably, you know, he's kind of like flaring and dusty, you give the forehead a little bit of a tap, and <laughs> the blood comes. Right. So in this match, Fuji gets up on the apron and tries to grab uh, Steamboat, who, you know, gives, gives Fuji a nice chop and knocks him off the apron. And very quickly, there's a sc- scenario where uh, Steamboat's able to come off the top rope with a chop on Morocco and it looks pretty good. But at this point, Fuji immediately just comes right back up on the apron and he's somehow gotten off, gotten Steamboat's uh, belt from his gi. And he, it, the timing of it's perfect. It looks amazing. He loops from behind So he, like, like a lasso almost, you know, he gets it around Steamboat's neck, and he yanks him back towards the corner, and Steamboat does this great job of flying backwards, and like, smashes his head into the turnbuckle, like, it just looks really devastating. And Fuji just comes in the ring, and they're just not even gonna pretend, like, he does it right in front of the ref. Like, it's definitely a disqualification. And they just beat the crap out of him, the two of them, and this is that scene we're gonna see a little clip of when we watch Science Man event, where they've got the uh, belt around Steamboat's neck, and... Morocco picks him up by the feet and now they're like you know they're swinging him like he's a swing and eventually yeah. they like actually lob his legs over the top rope. So now he's hanging on the outside wow, and they, they tie him up and they're beating on him. And it just looks like awful. like uh, it, uh,
3: Yeah, like he's being hung, you know, or lynched. Yes. Like it's it's a little disturbing. And, and, and Morocco it, it,
2: comes out on the outside and he's got like an actual leather belt. I don't, I don't know where that came from. And he's whipping Steamboat with his belt while he's being hung. And finally hear the crowd pop and out come Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana to chase him off. And save Ricky Steamboat, and they have to carry him to the back. It's very dramatic. Like it's you know, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite the thing to see.
3: Wow, um, nobody takes more heat or not. Nobody takes more beatings than Ricky, <laughs> right. the Dragon Steamboat. As we, you, yeah, we will see as we carry on uh, through future episodes. This poor guy is gonna get you know. He's going to be DDT'd on the concrete. He's yeah. Gonna take ring bells. He's going to have reptiles, or, you know, crawling <laughs> over him. Like, he is a, the poor guy. He should get a purple heart, you know? Yeah. yeah.
2: He, him and Ricky Morton are just like, nobody else can sell like those two guys. Like, and they just, you know,
0: Ricky they just Morton. Bring yeah. Bring i can tell in. you something about Ricky Morton. Yeah. Put <laughs> him ringside We yeah, have the Cloud right. driver. Yeah. That's about Ricky Morton. You is the Rock and Roll Express with him, my show man is. Yeah, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: awesome. So, There was a replay going on and it's funny because during this replay, which is very serious, all of a sudden the Chiron the screen pops up for like, vote for manager of the year and McMahon's prompting people to write in letters while they're in the middle of like Uh, detailing this death thing. But it's funny because he implores people not to vote for Fuji and he's like, well, I don't think anyone's going to vote for Fuji. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty good.
3: (laughs) Manager, they're all heels. Well, I guess we'll more on that later.
2: Yeah. So that's going to bring us to July 6th and a really big debut.
3: Right. Okay. Well, it's the uh, number one draft pick of uh, apparently all the, you know, everybody's been talking about this guy. That's <laughs> my Bruno San Martino. And uh, Macho Man. Here he is, finally in the WWF. Yeah. Now, he was not uh, a part of my sort of childhood conception of the WWF, which was, for better or for worse, somewhat shaped by Rock and Wrestling's cartoon <laughs> yeah. you know, and all these figures. And really, to me, it was uh, about Piper versus Hogan in some ways. But anyway, in the long term, Macho Man. Uh, is such an influential figure on this particular program. We're discussing Saturday night's main event. He'll come and he'll grow, he'll go and his, his role will change. But this to me is the, uh, the beginning of a storyline that takes years to unfold and is my favorite thing about wrestling because of all the different dynamics that it involves. And, uh, you know, inseparable from that storyline is a, is, um, Somebody who doesn't appear in this segment, but lots of people do. So, it is Randy Savage uh, versus um, Aldo Rivera, I think. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, Who's got a nice little robe himself with some (laughs) sequins, but Savage in a prophetic robe. The other guy's got a vest. Savage has got a robe with dragons on one side. Snakes on the other. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who could believe that? As as you're going to find out, he's going to make his mark uh, with his feuds against uh, Ricky Steamboat. And for me, his stuff with uh, Savage in this era is uh, the most exciting stuff ever. With Jake. With Jake yeah. Roberts, yes. So there's foreshadowing. How interesting that
0: uh, <laughs> <I think laughs> well, he
2: and he changed up his gear so often. So I, it probably was a bit of a fluke that that happened, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah,
3: just very interesting. So um, no entrance music that I can recall. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. No. And uh, Savage starts with a nice arm drag, but actually Aldo gets to do a little shining. He <laughs> returns the arm drag oh, right, yeah. and he does a little ha ha, like that, <laughs> and uh, it's funny because. Um, that's when we cut to a procession of heel managers yeah, making their yeah. way to the ring because Savage is, as I said, highly sought after. I just did a little tease. He's been in the Mid-South uh, wrestling Jerry Lawler and Ricky Steamboat and his brother Lanny Poffo uh, was all involved, but we're here to talk really, about... Really Steamboat was in there? What did I say? You said Steamboat. Did I say Steamboat? Yeah. Ricky Morton? I tried. To, I, I was trying to say okay. Ricky yeah, Morton. Yeah. Thank so we're, you.
2: we're talking about basically the IWA, which is the promotion his dad ran, which was in, um, you know, a, what do you call it, a competition, you know, against right. Memphis. But they finally actually did fold and merge. Mm-hmm. And then so Savage had a, a run in Memphis, as Jeff is alluding to, you know, and it was a really big, in the area, it was such a big buildup because there was, you know, because they were going head-to-head, you know, with TV ratings in the in the area, promoting cards in the same general area, you know, I think that, that thing in people's minds of like, what if Jerry Lawler fought Randy Savage?
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, they were in competition uh, to go down that path for a bit. Um, The Poffo family were doing this kind of renegade, like we all challenge you for your, you know, the bums in the seats. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they were running this uh, competition promotion against Jerry Lawler. And somehow they were also on TV and talking about Jerry Lawler, even though, in real life, the, these were two separate companies that were in a sometimes heated competition. Like, right. I heard a rumor that Macho Man pistol whipped a guy. Oh, geez. Yeah, superstar Bill Dundee or something for like, ah. yeah, it's pretty far out there. I only saw the one. I didn't, like, I Poor didn't. Poor Dundee.
2: Look. I love him. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I've seen some interviews he does. He's pretty funny. I don't get to watch him wrestle a lot, but uh, right. I loved his interviews in JCP.
3: So to try to not have too many loose threads, this yep. um, they would cut promos. Savage would say, Jerry Lawler, yeah, forget it. Muffin, never, nobody. But they weren't actually even in the same league at that time. So there was, <laughs> you know. And meanwhile, Lawler in the established company is ignoring the upstart Poffo uh, promotion. So they're not acknowledging Savage, but the other guys have the kind of like scrappy rebel... Position of like calling them out, and when the IWA folded, um, they you know, the Poffo brothers were accepted into Lawler's organization. Well, I think they just knew
2: there was so much heat built up, it's like, oh, might as well cash it in now, yeah. you know, <laughs> might as well.
3: So, Savage puts Savage was the best at putting people over, like, yeah, I mean, his most memorable matches are when he is when he loses, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Like, he's just an incredible performer, y- you don't. Necessarily want to get behind everything that happened in his life. I mean, but people are human, and you don't want to dismiss somebody just because there were aspects of their personality that you can't necessarily approve of. But it, that goes for anybody. So Savage is being courted by all the managers. And you right. said you said the whole manager of the year. There is no question because as soon as the crowd sees all these, I think there's five of them. You got Bobby the Brain Mister Fuji, Johnny Valiant classy freddy Blassie nice. and jimmy the mouth of the south heart yeah but there's no doubt who the manager of the year is and it's not a question of who the fans like it's who they hate weasel, we... weasel, <laughs> weasel hands down bobby yeah. heenan is, is the star um, yeah you know the the manager crowd and um But what the funny timing is, is that (laughs) Rivera gets his moment in the sun just as they cut to the managers, you know, like he gets an arm (laughs) drag and then, you know, into the ropes, shoulder block, Savage is down, you know, Savage goes for a back flip and instead uh, he gets in a, uh, goes for a a back drop. drop. Yeah. And instead he gets a sunset flip, so oh, Rivera shits. gets to look good for about 30 seconds, just yeah, as yeah, the managers yeah. show up, ironically. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't last long. No. So a couple of moves that are slightly different into uh, than what we will see uh, Savage polish his maneuvers, but he does a Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff elbow off the top rope, which yes. is a combination of like a dusty bionic elbow. That's right. and uh, But it comes off the top rope, so Savage does to stand, that. To a
2: standing position yes, and drives right. it in.
3: Mm-hmm and um he quickly dispatches with aldo uh after dutifully giving the guy a chance to look good and get yes. some excitement from the crowd uh and was you know, that
2: was that not the one where he he actually did two uh, elbow yeah. drops
0: yes like cuz
2: right. I, I you know i'm sure i'm wrong but i don't remember seeing him do more than one elbow drop on somebody until you know and and basically the until WrestleMania well, until 7. Hogan, well i think yeah cuz yeah even hogan he only did one Right. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll buzz ourselves here if we're wrong on that. But I'm pretty sure he only does one on Hogan in WrestleMania yeah. 5.
3: So. The other thing is that he doesn't climb outside the ring. He climbs the yeah, top rope right, from yeah. inside. And he gives... He just backs his way up. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Aldo gets two flying elbow drops from the top rope. And he gets pinned. Um... There is, uh, you know, the whole lifting him up off the mat, like, oh, I'm with this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. show my stuff. Yeah, strutting it up for all
0: the managers
3: here. Um, And uh, to impress them, the managers all come into the ring, and he high-fives them, shakes their hands, and they're really pushing the angle that uh, yeah. Savage is sought after by all these heel managers, McMahon... And, and Sam Martino are commenting that way. And uh, after he's pinned Aldo, he throws him outside the ring, climbs to the top rope, and gives him you know a little axe handle to the back of the head from the top to the floor, which uh, is one of Savage's awesome offensive yeah. moves. That's a long way down.
2: <laughs> it is, it is, and he did it so many times. Crazy. Yeah,
3: yeah, if he were a bigger guy, it would be tougher on him.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
3: I, I heard a, I, I think actually Sid Vicious was harangued and harangued and harangued to jump off the ropes, and then one time he did it, yeah, it totally his,
2: blew his leg out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not scary. for everybody. Yep. So on that same date, we're gonna have a body shop with Jesse Ventura and this new evil character Terry Funk. So Jesse's looking, as usual, quite ridiculous. He's got this, like, blue, I don't know how to describe it. It's got this fluffiness, almost like sheep fur or something like that. Like, you know, and he just, he looks quite silly. He's got his sunglasses on. I think it comes in, and there was, like, a almost like a, the, the scene before it was like a hillbilly gym, like PSA, like, you know, don't kids don't do something. I can't remember what it was, but it's like the music lingers in. So it's weird. It's like, you know, Jesse's doing his like, uh, his bench press <laughs> and, but the hillbilly music still playing. So it's kind of, that's kind of uh-huh. a weird little connection. Okay, so then Jesse yeah. gets up and does a little intro and brings Terry Funk into the screen. And, you know, he comes in and looking pretty scary. He's got his, uh, what do you call the
3: a, a poncho? Poncho.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't want to struggle with that. So, you know, Jesse really sells him as this, like, you know, true cowboy b- bounty hunter. We've had a lot of fake cowboys in, in wrestling, and, like, and Terry Funk's the real cowboy. And um Terry Funk cuts what starts to look like it's going to go down the path of, like, like a no-no promo. Like, a, you know, in, in, in modern day, this is not going to fly. Like, he's getting to talking about Junkyard Dog and immediately sort of going down a racial path. And it was, like, it was... But it it very quickly redirects itself to something a little bit less offensive. But you're, for a couple of moments, you're like, are you really going to keep saying what you're saying? Like, you know, he's talking about this match in the Bahamas in 1981, like before WWF, where, like, you know, I guess he was, he had some opponent beat and junkyard dog came in to save this guy and interfered and then the crowd he's talking about he makes it out that the crowd attacks him that like you know they're so mad at him because of what because of JYD and this other guy the entire crowd attacks him he ends up in the you know in the hospital with like broken ribs and broken nose and all this stuff and you're just kind of like you're you're not really sure where he's going with it like you know where he's got this from but any uh,
3: heel will tell you that if they're dodging bullets they're doing their job right you know ducking blades you know thankfully people aren't at as risk as at risk, you know, in uh, maybe Winnipeg, but uh, we've heard scary stories about little old ladies stabbing wrestlers in Mexico. <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. At one point during this whole promo, the crowd really starts jeering, <laughs> and Jesse just looks off camera, and he's like, shut up, <laughs> and he tells the crowd to shut up. It's Love like, it. it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so Terry Funk blames JYD for the nine days he had to spend in the hospital, and he vows revenge.
3: Right. Um, well, uh, I guess content warning, some of the stuff from the 80s, you know, wouldn't fly today. Exactly. You
2: know? They just could. Yeah. Know. It's like, and rightfully so, they shouldn't go that way. But yeah, it was, uh, fortunately, like I said, he did after about 10 seconds, five seconds, he sort of went down a different path of what he was going. Because if he'd kept in the direction he was going, it would have been like, okay, let's just edit this out. <laughs> you know, let's not even do it. Um, that's going to bring us to July 13th, a Piper's Pit with our new man, Savage.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've lately just uh, come to realize what a treasure chest Roddy Piper is. He is so great. I got to see more of his stuff um, as I was an older teenager. And uh, there were just sort of glimpses that I caught, you know, as a younger guy. So, uh, man, this is when he's his best. And so um, he's picking on poor old Ace until Piper shows up. (laughs) I mean, until Savage shows up.
0: He said, I buy an $8,000 watch. You wear it on the wrong wrist. I don't know.
3: Because he's got the cast, right? He yeah, can't get right. it on his yeah. left. So he's got this, you know. And, and Ace looks at his right arm with his. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, anyway, he's a, he's a nice guy, bed short. But, you know, he's just. Piper's having to go at Cowboy Bob. Cause, you Aren't know, they the same height? <laughs> probably. Yeah, totally. Anyway. And then uh, Macho Man bursts on because wow. he's all about kinetic energy. And uh, just, it's like, oh, yeah. And now Macho Man, he has a fist. Full of confetti, so he likes to come in. He d- this doesn't last, but he, you know, grabs himself uh, a one handful of, um, you know, it's like light Johnny Be Bad, like he would bring, you know. So anyway, he comes in, he throws his one handful of confetti, and um, pretty uh, a much uh, Roddy Piper, of course, the whole angle is still number one draft pick, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Piper. You know, Paul's like, it's Beatlemania. He's like, oh, it's a Macho Man. He's just so excited to see him. <laughs> What's it like to be the number one? And uh, it's unbelievable. Anyway, it's, it's um, you know, it's not the best because they don't have a lot to do, but they make, uh, you know, a pretty yeah. good meal of it. Macho Man announces that Hulkamania is dead. Because, <laughs> you know, he's the number one draft pick, right? Yeah, he's yeah, coming yeah, yeah. in to take over from Hulk Hogan. Prophetic in a way. Um, and, you uh, You know, Savage stands on the table, and he uh, also, what does he say? He's like, he says, you want to try on my million-dollar robe? Shades of (laughs) Divyasi. And so Piper gets to try on his robe, and uh, let me see. What else did I have here of note? Oh, yeah. Nope, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually... Um, Piper hands over his microphone, the sacred stick, oh. yeah, so that he can put on his robe, and uh, you know they're both having a good time. Um, but Elizabeth has not. Miss Elizabeth has not yet entered the scene.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, and we're you know we're we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get there. And I think the thing with the entrance of Savage. Is you know the introduction her introduction is sort of I would say of all this stuff is the thing that the majority of people have seen multiple times. Whereas some of these other little details are probably the thing that only a few people have seen or really remember. You know, it's not as it was didn't get replayed over and over like Elizabeth's intro did. So we're going to move up to August eighteenth, and now we've got a televised match between Ricky Steamboat and Mister Fuji. So Mr. Fuji's in the ring, and Steamboat gets announced, and he comes sprinting out of the back like he's the ultimate warrior. (laughs) And he's not messing around. I don't think he has his gi on, if I'm remembering correctly. He's ready to fight. That's his
3: specialty, is vengeance. Yeah.
2: He comes sliding into the ring, and Fuji's not looking, and Steamboat's like screw it, I'm, this isn't going to be a babyface situation. He's he's here for revenge. So he just attacks Fuji totally from behind. and <laughs> It's great. He's just like chopping him and kicking him and doing all this stuff. And he's choking him with his belt. Like Steamboat choking somebody with a belt. Like he's the ultimate babyface. Like, you know, he, he never really cheated very much. So this was kind of cool to see. And uh, he gets up on the second rope. And he's got that, you know, his belt around Fuji, so he's almost hanging Fuji a little bit, like giving him a little, bit, a little bit of his own medicine. And I guess technically maybe the bell hasn't rung, so he can get away with all this cheating, you know, like pre-match, pre-match shenanigans here. Payback. <laughs> so uh, there, there is a situation where Fuji finally gets this low blow, and that's kind of how he gets, you know, having his, his advantage. And, uh, and, you know, it's, he's got these really hard chops. Now, Mr. Fuji would normally do these over-exaggerated sort of martial arts style strikes which didn't look like they were hitting very hard because he would really kind of overdo it but there was a couple of chops where he hit him and I was like Bleh. you know where did this come from is this like you know I was in Wahoo McDaniels and or something like that like hitting him it just you could hear it it's like oh that looked that looked really like you know vicious and a good chunk of the match is Fuji trying to hold on to a nerve hold and Steamboat will, you know will get some stomach punches and get some separation and maybe get a you know, shot or two in, but then Fuji will find a way to, you know, get back, regain the advantage and get that nerve hold back on. So he's just trying to, like, you know, work that nerve hold.
3: That's a very popular theme in today's wrestling style matches. I hear. What do you mean? I was being sarcastic. Oh.
2: <laughs> Sorry, the worst <laughs> laugh ever. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so they um, basically once Steven the nerve finally-
3: hold, otherwise known as the. The massage.
2: <laughs> the massage, yeah, Oh, God, no, no.
3: Oh, God, it's so tight. Oh, God, I just got this kink in my neck. Oh, God, yeah. Right there, right there.
2: So there's this... <laughs> Steamboat finally gets back on top and gets this... It's, it's He whips Fuji off the rope and gives him a chop, which basically sends Fuji flying through the air. And it's, it's, it's quite comical. Like, it looks really funny. And uh, Fuji does... Oh, pardon me. He, there's a cross-body block. So Steamboat gets up to the top rope, hits the flying body press... And Fuji kicks out, which is quite surprising. The commentators even note, they were like surprised they'd never seen anybody kick out of that well, move.
3: Well, I'm going to set myself up for some chimes or buzzers here, but we're talking about a former WWF tag team champion. Well,
2: of course, yes.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. He wasn't just okay. the manager of champions. No. He was. Who uh, was his partner? Well, he had uh, Tanaka, so the guy that was in the um, uh, the James Bond um, movie guy. Oh. He was a wrestler. All right. Yeah.
3: Um... Sh- uh, Odd job. Odd Odd job, job. Mm -hmm. yeah. Odd job, yeah. Wow. And I
2: believe he had two different reigns, so I think he was with Tanaka for one of them and Mr. Saito for the other. We'll buzz ourselves when we're wrong on one of those, but I'm sure that's what it is, yeah.
0: Welcome, martini, shaken, Mm
3: -hmm. not stirred. (laughs) (laughs) That was cool. Check out That's Goldfinger, the third James Bond movie, and some say the best James Bond movie, starring
0: Sean Connery. (laughs) Surely <laughs> so, these days I'll step into the ring without Mr. Tanaka, and Mr. Shael, or kick some ass. <laughs> One, two, three, handicap match.
2: Bring him out as a guest manager on Raw and let him wrestle. <laughs>
3: Bond versus the Oriented. They probably had. Um, and did they have a, a name for their team?
2: Ooh, that's Tanaka, a good question,
3: Mr. So Tanaka and Fuji. I know
2: it's not the Miracle Violence Connection. <laughs> 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 so Steamboat goes for this uh, splash on the ground and Fuji gets his knees up sort of to turn back the tide and then he goes for a back it looks like a back duplex, but Steamboat flips over the top and lands behind Fuji and rolls him up for the win the one, two, three
3: the good old roll up, you know, you can yeah. lose without actually having yeah, to yeah, overpowered, yeah. you know.
2: I, I love it because McMahon's famous for like when he calls a match, he doesn't really say too many things. Like, he, he's the master of like avoiding actually calling anything anything, you know. He's just always like, oh, what a maneuver! And like, unbelievable, you know, yeah, so, unbelievable. But he, he does, he, he does plant his flag on this one incorrectly. He calls it a small package. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steamboat celebrating back to the dressing room and. The camera's set up in such a way that he's looking back at the ring, and there's those doors that we see at some of these TV tapings, and out comes Don Morocco, and he's got this chair, and it's not the folding chair we're used to with wrestling. It is like, you know, the round seat with, like, a metal, like, backing onto, like, you know, maybe a padded thing, and uh, hopefully it was, you know, hopefully it was gimmicked, but he comes out and smashes Steamboat in the back, and this thing, this chair breaks in half. And then he takes the top part, the, the back part with the metal on it, and he gives him this like vicious shot to the throat with it. Wow. And then Fuji comes over and picks up the base of the chair and hits Steamboat again in the head on it. So they leave him like, wow. they leave him laying.
3: I mean, I, you know, this is uh, the first of many. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Steamboat, you know, <laughs> laid out flat like the Mississippi River.
2: Yeah. And they, and, they, and they Morocco spits on him and they just leave him there in the, in the aisle. And it's wow. like, oh my God, poor guy.
3: Poor guy. Well, he's uh, the master of getting like really <laughs> laid out and uh, coming back. Yeah. So he builds heat better than anybody. Really. That's I, right. I don't know if I can think of another in this era. I'll have to keep my eye out for like who else like gets so creamed. Yeah. It's you know. Hard to say. And then you know, and then comes back with like the audience just can't wait for him to get his revenge. That's but... right.
2: Absolutely. So this is where we get into the era, the time frame where. Uh, Miss Elizabeth is introduced. So the uh, we'll just very quickly cover it in like 10 seconds here because I've, I think yeah. everyone's seen it, which is basically yeah. all the managers are in the ring. They're all waiting to be named the successful candidate for this, you know, mm-hmm. in the search for a manager for Macho Man. And of course, that's when he introduces, you know, this beautiful woman that no one's ever seen. And out comes Miss Elizabeth. And that sets us off on, you know, what we know is Macho Man's, you know, WWF yeah. career.
3: And she is um, so different from... Anything that we had seen, uh, I, I will take the liberty, at least yeah. I mean this, but since Corey and I watched the scene TV mostly, you watched a lot more videos than I, but basically I'm going to say that we knew the female valet largely in the form of Precious, who was uh, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin's uh, valet, and she was obnoxious and shrill, and she would... Uh, blind you with the perfume spray. She had an aerosol spray can that she would scent the ring for Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> yeah, 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 And Jimmy Garvin was uh, this guy, always smiling, always bouncing. He had big, bouncy hair. And he always yeah. had a... He, you know, in retrospect, I, I early Jimmy Garvin was, was better than I gave him credit for. Yeah. But anyway, so we're talking about Elizabeth. So uh, it was brilliant because she came out Smiling and you know, feminine, not uh, precious was a, a beautiful woman, but she always had a sneer, yeah. On yeah. Face. She, was, she playing, was always
2: playing a villain, you know. Yeah,
3: like. she was a heel valet precious in the AWA who would cheat so that Jimmy Garvin could win. <laughs> and um, Jimmy Garvin had a great feud with Rick Martel. like as soon as he got yeah. to the AWA, he was feuding with for the belt. That's right. Well, I was like, and
2: he just it's not fair. He, <laughs> he, <laughs>
3: went, he went right to the top of the work, queue.
2: work his way up the ladder here.
3: <laughs> so the crowd can't really boo this lady who comes out in this gorgeous sort of cocktail dress, but uh, she never came across anything less than classy.
2: That's right. It was even no one when, no one since before or ever has presented the way she was.
3: Even when they like sexualized her, she was still the chaste maiden. You know, yeah. in manner and and in uh, in speech right. and and in appearance, and she was beautiful. You know, yeah. um, she passed away too young, sadly. But uh, man, did the crowd just kind of go, "Wow!" They cheered for her. So, oh yeah, you know, it was uh, fantastic to see. Like like I said, this is uh, e- e- when I said the my favorite arc of wrestling uh, wouldn't be that favorite arc if it weren't for this lady who was actually um, Randy Savage's real wife in, in real life. Yeah, yeah. Say and that it, 10 times fast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and as Jeff alluded to, I mean, ac- across the country in the different promotions, there were female valets. Sometimes they were also wrestlers, you know, and they all kind of fell into a certain genre of like... Yappy and like interfering and like you know a loaded purse uh, a shoe a, a masculine uh, you know.
3: streak to them because they a would mix bit. it up. yeah
2: yeah and there's so many great ones and it's not to take away from them but it's just so unique it's so interesting that Elizabeth was able to essentially I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore the late WCW stuff where I think they finally started making her do some physical things but I mean basically she went through this long stretch where she was literally just this support person this like. This nice valet and they just they for the most part, they knew how to capture it perfectly where the camera would always be get the right angles to like Capture these facials of hers. Set you in Savage as a heel, or or a baby face would be getting you know just tortured by somebody, beaten up, and like the look of concern on her face, you know, is what brought
3: it all together. You know, remember the Blues Brothers. Stand by your <laughs> yeah. man,
0: yeah. right. give him your tender kisses, <laughs> and yeah, when the Blues Brothers yeah, are the playing, beer bottles are still
2: slowly hitting at that yeah, point exactly. <laughs> on the cage, <laughs> but they
3: win. They win over this redneck yeah, crowd right. Right. and all the. Teary-eyed cowboys <laughs> are cuddling their ladies a little that's closer. Right. So sa- uh, Miss Elizabeth appealed because she was so loyal to this brute. Yeah. And it uh, really was, there was a bit of King Kong, you know, when Ray uh, <laughs> Even though he wasn't the biggest guy, but he yeah. was the savage, you know, Randy Savage. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it was the beginning uh, of such a wonderful uh, career, at least... Because I don't believe that she was involved in any... Uh, sh- she actually met Savage because she got involved in wrestling.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard all this, and it's just mm. not really ringing a bell. Yeah,
3: um, so she had uh, entered the art form, the entry, right. you know, the, the, the business, and then met Savage. Oh, interesting. And they married pretty quickly, and... Um, What an introduction, and, you know, we just love Miss Elizabeth. The crowd loves Miss Elizabeth, even when they're booing the Macho Man.
2: That's right. And speaking of booing the Macho Man, that brings us to August 31st, yet another Piper's Pit, but this time not just one person on the, uh, one guest, two.
3: That's right. And uh, I think we always hear owner of a lonely heart behind, uh, you know, that's the kind of like the, the, just trailing off by, um... (laughs) Yes, uh, so because there's always '80s music because we're watching these clips, right? So yeah, when they
2: come back from commercial break, or
3: anything, and uh, Prism TV, I think has got some Cyndi Lauper. They were nice. playing She <laughs> I think that was consistent. But uh, anyway, so uh, Piper's waiting for Savage, and you know, again, he uh, talks about you know the number one draft pick. But uh, Savage is now bringing out Elizabeth for an introduction and. Uh, Piper uh, gets very excited to see her because, again, (laughs) she's got the gloves that go up to her biceps. I mean, not that she's got biceps, but, you know, right up to her upper (laughs) arm. Uh, And uh, he just, he's like, oh, my goodness, please come stand over between me and the Macho Man. He's just going crazy. He loves her. Oh, my goodness. He's so excited to meet Elizabeth. And uh, Macho Man's proud to show her off. And uh, he asks her a question, but she just quickly and cleverly says, I just want to say I'm so delighted. You know, she's yeah. polite and, you know, comes across uh, so likable and and just um, you can't help but uh, want to applaud her. She's like Lady Diana, you know. Right, right. Just, uh,
4: <laughs>
3: and so uh, it's pretty short. Yeah. And uh, Piper is like. Uh, gets really going as soon as uh, Elizabeth says, I just want to support Macho Man. And then she gives Macho Man a kiss on the cheek and Piper's like, whoa, can I have a kiss? Oh, please, please, please. And uh, Macho Man's like, mm, I'll give you a hug, goes in to hug Piper like, no, I don't want a kiss from you, from her. Yeah.
2: And he does, Savage doesn't seem to get as upset as you would think for someone asking for a kiss from Elizabeth.
3: No, well, he'll be able to milk that angle for a lot of, uh, you know, heat down the road. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, and sticking with oh, yeah, this he way, says,
3: Bob, you should have shaved, Bob, well, you should have shaved, should have wore something nicer, Bob. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, I think this is from September 7th, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's from Prism TV, and it's a Savage Cut a promo.
3: So there is a promo for the Philadelphia match, but unfortunately, it's not our new hero, Cal Redman. Nope. It uh however, this guy is good. This guy because <laughs> yeah, I did he like has, him. yeah. He uh he's quite frightened of the macho man. <laughs> and uh Savage cuts a good promo. Now Elizabeth is by his side. He only makes the one reference to uh the fact that uh, made, I made my pick and uh you know he's he's getting into this character that will make him a household name. And um he was always known for his amazing promos. I've already given you quite a bit of Macho Man, so I'll give you guys a break for this episode, perhaps, but um, he's got a red, white, and blue robe on. He has kind he's, of
2: stars. He looks very American. Yeah.
3: He's going to steal Hogan's gimmick. That's right. <laughs> you know, American made. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the inter- he's also got some shtick that doesn't quite last. He uh, snaps his fingers and gets a kiss from Elizabeth.
4: That's right.
3: <laughs> and uh, he does it twice, and the interview's almost over, but Macho Man's like... Give me the microphone. And he keeps going. <laughs> the guy and just dribbles
2: uh, like he's so scared. It's great. Yeah,
3: it is great. And the only uh, unfortunate part in retrospect is that uh, Macho Man is guaranteeing 100%. Any right. bets will, you know. He's, tell- he's telling people to go
2: find a Hulkamania fan and bet everything you got. <laughs> yes.
3: And, uh, you know, I would advise against that.
2: Yes. I'm going to win because it's title Town. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Title town. That's right. Um, I'm not quite sure what that means.
2: That's a good question. I mean, like, other than, like... Philadelphia
3: Flyers? Where they 70s, in
2: the 70s, they won a couple of titles, but I mean... Baseball? Geez. Well, Savage, yeah.
3: here's a good chance for us to uh, touch on. Randy Poffo... Oh, of course, yeah. ...was a baseball player. Yeah, and yeah. And he came out of high school as a prospect, played the minor leagues, and he yeah. had the discipline also to, like, pitch with both arms. Oh, interesting. I hadn't read yeah, that. Yeah. He had... Um, I think he was left-handed, he actually... naturally, and... Uh, they didn't, they, they said, well, you know, a lefty pitcher, you know, is a rare thing. And, it'll, and so he taught himself to pitch with his right. Yeah. But, um, that's right. His sport was baseball.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that picture, like the, the baseball card kind of baby face savage that gets spread around the internet quite a bit. You'll see that picture, you know, if mm-hmm. you're looking in in, if you look at wrestling corridors on the internet, then, yeah, the the, the Macho Man baseball card kind of pops up every once in a while. So that's as, as much as I know of his baseball career.
3: So, yeah, I don't know what title town is referenced to.
2: It would just have to be, like, the different pro sports teams. Well, we, that have,
3: yeah, you know, we know the Philadelphia Flyers had a good run and it's NHL champions, right? The Broad Street Bullies? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's your department, NHL. Oh, well, yes. And uh, let's see. So what what would they have Their MLB, Major League Baseball, they probably... Uh, the Was Phillies. The, I'm yeah. assuming
2: I, I'm not a baseball fan. Never watched it. all, so I'm assuming they've won some World Series. Who knows? Couldn't couldn't say for sure. The uh, Philadelphia Eagles is the NFL team. Um, they what else would they have?
3: They got Rocky Balboa. They
2: got Rocky Balboa. So there hey. you go. There's their champ. <laughs> Use the ice clamps. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty good. The interview from the Spectrum. Okay, that's going to bring us to something that's really integral to the Saturday's main event. And that's this match between Terry Funk and the Junkyard Dog, September 23rd. So it's a short clip. Unfortunately, the only video I could find of it, even through the uh, WWE Network, is about three minutes long. So you come in in the middle of the match, but Funk is gold. Like, he is just, you know... He, he is so hilarious. Like he sells. He, he bumps. sells
3: so good. I love it. So um And he's kinda got like a bruiser brody energy sometimes yeah, with the crowd. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, he looks like he's always wanting to like threaten the crowd. Yeah. So he's, he's he's ready at any moment to just charge into that crowd and start fighting somebody. Yeah, you know? or and,
3: take a bump and li- wind up in somebody's lap, you yeah, know, yeah. have a handful of popcorn, take a swing of beer.
2: <laughs> so you you come into the right, you know, you're right in the middle of the match and dog whips funk into the corner and he does does this tremendous, amazing flip over top of the turnbuckle to the outside? But he does it in such a way that he spills, so that he lands perfectly in a chair at ringside. <laughs> 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 and I think there's the, a the guy sitting <laughs> beside him and just kind of looks at him, you know, like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> it's really good. Um, so they Jesse and Grill are on the call, which is awesome, and uh, they're talking about how most of the match has been on the outside. It's like Dog mm-hmm. just keeps like beating him up on the outside, throwing him back out, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So. Uh, Funk gets up on the apron, and I think he's yapping it like someone in the crowd, just like you're talking about. So yeah. he's standing on the apron, holding the rope, but he's looking into the crowd. Yeah. And like Junkyard Dog just comes up and grabs him by the head and runs him down the, you know, runs him down the apron, smashes his head into the turnbuckle or the, mm-hmm. you know, the corner, and just really funny. So he's taking more bumps, and then he suplexes Terry Funk back inside, which never oh, Junkyard Dog doing a suplex. <laughs> it's like what? not used to this. Yeah, Funk gets his headlock finally, and he turns it into a low bolt blow by like sort of turning backwards. Like he's got. Junkyard dog in a headlock, and then he turns his back so his butt's almost into like you know, and then he does his his own leg up between
3: his own legs. Yeah, kind of like a mule kick. Yeah, you kind know, like of you lift like he lifts, lifts his heel or and whatever is in the crotch. Yeah,
2: yeah. So he gets that. So that's sort of how he finally gets something. So then Funk starts this you know series of attempts of headbutts. Which of course Whoa. worked poor for him because it's Junkyard Dog, who's That's, you know right. legendary, you know headbutt guy. So of course this, very quickly turns into like Junkyard Dog making all these funny fa- you know faces, you know kind of like hulking, hulking up, sort of sort of speak, dogging up. And <laughs> he finally gives uh, he finally gives Funk a nice headbutt. And Funk goes down, of course. And uh, so so he sends uh, Funk into the corner, and he charges in, and Terry Funk's able to actually kind of like tackle. Junker dog is he's coming in, grab his legs, dump him, and then basically do this like press like um pin, but with his feet up on the on the bottom rope. So he's right. going for the cheaty
3: leverage. Extra leverage, yeah, okay. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Classic heel, yeah, uh, cheaty way to win a match. That's right. So he the ref, the, the ref, No, okay. no well, the ref catches
2: him uh-huh. and breaks the count. Ah. So funk gets up really mad immediately in the ref's face, like, how dare you? That was the three count and all this uh-huh. stuff. And basically, um, JYD just steps in from uh, steps in from behind and, like, turns him around and, small package, one, two, three. Love it. <laughs> so he gets this big, dis- you know, distraction yeah. win and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty funny. It, the, the, the post-match is where, you know, which, which is the important part here. So <laughs> Jimmy Hart comes in with the branding iron and he charges a junkyard dog, but he gets about halfway there and realizes the dog sees him coming. <laughs> so he has to, like, stop <laughs> in his tracks. He's like, oh, no, no, no. And uh, he's backing up into the corner. And dog slowly tracking him down. So then he throws the iron over top of Junker Dog's head to Terry Funk, who's on the other side. Uh-huh. And as you know. Junkyard Dog finally gets a hold of Jimmy Hart, and you know the good guy would always wait about five, six seconds to punch the manager. You know he'd never yeah. really just haul right off. Yeah. And of course this is where Funk comes in with the branding iron and gets Dog in the back of the head and hits him several times, and then brands him, brands him, kind of like your your friend Warren there. <laughs> yeah. With
3: the podium, the wooden podium. <laughs> the wooden
2: podium. <laughs> yeah. So this Agent is the orange horn. on BPW. And this is the footage that we're gonna see on Saturday Night's main event, where like you know Dog's looking for revenge for this like you know he won the match, but he you know he had to take a a beating with this branding iron and you know it's again it's like I said it's pretty short but I mean three, for 3 minutes it was you know very entertaining it was really good.
3: Yes. Um the booking you would just never never do today.
2: That's right. Okay. So we have a match. It's September 28th. And this is early for this but but it, it happens. Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage.
3: I didn't experience this at the time. Uh, I really only kind of knew of Savage when he already had the belt. It, it feels to me like uh, the, the chronology of it that worked out that way. I, I didn't really get to see a lot of Tito defending his belt. It just it was a matter of uh, our yeah. access to or, or yeah, our as, knowledge.
2: As we've mentioned, generally speaking, '86, January 86 is probably when we're really watching syndicated WWF 85. We're getting Saturday night's main events. We're getting to, you know, after the fact rent WrestleMania, but we're not, you know, we're not in as far as I know, I need a time machine to actually confirm this, but, uh, we don't think we are getting, that's what Jeff's alluding to is that sort of like, you know, the, the earliest savage stuff is in this time when we're not watching week to week. So we're only getting, you know, these little bits.
3: I did see references to it, magazine articles, uh, or, you know, at least photos, anyway, and I knew that uh, Savage came in uh, as a big deal. I I mean, I know now that he came in as this number one draft pick, so it makes total sense that Savage would get his, you know, shot at the belt since he comes in as this, um, you know, Conor McDavid-style draft pick, so... Um, we love Prism TV and we love Philadelphia and we love Cal Rudman. It's our new favorite thing that we didn't even know existed, uh, until this YouTube era when we could go back and see all this content. That's just fantastic. That, uh, you know, is a great way to have, uh, it, these are new experiences, their memories and new experiences. And the first time was Paul Orndorf, uh, and Billy Jack Hayes. And, uh, so now we are always going to prism TV because somehow it always fits in with the, the build for Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Um, in this case, however, it doesn't actually build to our Saturday night's main event because, um, we will see Savage face Tito Santana for the IC belt instead of Hogan, who will be, uh, teaming with Andre the giant. Anyway, in keeping with Savage coming in as, uh, you know, this big hot talent that everybody wants to get their hands on, they let him have a title shot. And so here we are at the Spectrum, and um, again, no theme. Except that Hogan has his theme, mm-hmm. and it's the Eye of the Tiger. It's what we want to uh, hear. There we go. Yeah, so for me, it, it, it. I didn't realize that Savage was in that Eye of the Tiger era, but he was. Yeah. And Hogan's got the white trunks. Instead of the red and yellow that he'll, you know, settle into down the road, yeah. And Savage just won't let Hogan get his hands on him. That's you know, <laughs> it's a good. It's a good storyline, you know. Yeah, Hogan's yeah. so much bigger, yeah. And uh, Savage is all attitude, speed, so, yeah, speed. So he keeps. Um, Duck and Hogan and there's one moment that uh, almost makes you uncomfortable like I look back now and I say like boy over his career Savage performed and delivered and I just uh, love the entertainment that uh, I was able to take in that that's that's focused around Randy Savage but watching it in the moment I'm like. You asshole, leave those kids alone. <laughs> There's a row of about four Hulk maniacs. Okay. But they're little guys. You oh, yeah, know, yeah. like the one kid looks like he can't shrink back in his seat any more humanly oh. possible because Savage, you know, before he Hogan gets his hands on him, he comes to this little red out, you know, yeah, and sticks yeah. his fingers in like a nine year old's oh. face. And this kid looks scared. Monsters like intimidating those youngsters. And I'm like, yeah, and like <laughs> bad editing. You cut to Hogan and he's walking backwards away from this little confrontation whereas Hogan he should be defending his little you know scrawny little Hulkamaniacs Uh, but um, boy yeah so Savage is drawing great heat by picking on little kids you know (laughs) even I'm like you jerked him (laughs) out you know losing myself in the the illusion and then uh, Hogan could have done a better job of coming over and you know supporting his defending his Hulkamaniacs yeah he does mock Savage you know Hogan likes to uh imitate his opponent and get you know support from the crowd if if, if uh, so he you know wags his his hand the oh, way okay. savage he some does of his yeah and he, and he also drops down to his his um you know knees and hands and backs out of the ring under under the ropes the way that savage does that's how savage intimidates his kids so hogan yeah, yeah. does that exact same thing and he goes over there so i guess the kids get a little comfort that hogan stands by them but he doesn't really go over there you know mm-hmm. per se so uh, we get to see a lot of Hogan, um, you know, taking, well, we, I was going to say we get to see Savage's offense, snap mares, knee drops, jumping over the top rope to clothesline the guy and, yeah, yeah. you know, lots of good stuff. And of course, we get to see what makes Savage such a good heel. He hides behind Elizabeth. <laughs> Whenever the going gets tough and, and Hogan's giving them the gears, Savage will roll out of the ring and hide behind Elizabeth, who will pretty yeah. do. And don't hurt him, don't hurt him. It's just great. And, (laughs) of course, the commentator's like, what kind of a macho man is that hiding behind? Yeah. It's just, oh, it's such smart writing. Yeah. And it plays into the, you know, the greater storyline. Yeah, it takes the
2: the chicken shit heel delaying stall tactics and then adds this extra layer of, like, cowardly, like, you know, hide behind this tiny woman.
3: The crowd loves Miss Elizabeth, so... They really boo Savage when he pulls her in front of him. And Hogan's like slapping the mat at one point because he's not going to. And then later he does pick her up by her arms and move her, you know, like on the other side. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just really, I think it's great. Savage, you know, unlike Piper, puts over Hogan. He takes the three count and does yep. lose the match. But this does work out for, you know, him in the long term. He He gets to be a part of the storylines you know the main events where he hogan or uh, rather piper you know by protecting his own reputation maybe it doesn't work out for him in the long term
2: yeah i think i finally heard piper saying that he finally sort of agreed with people that he could have made more money by playing along a little better than he did you know and uh but
3: yeah so savage uh takes the three count okay. and uh but you know not after a couple of near misses a flying elbow that hogan rolls out of the way Yeah, And um, it was uh, definitely cool to see what will be the um, bread and butter, or rather the meat and potatoes, Uh, everything, the salad bar, you (laughs) name it, the soup, everything, dessert. Uh, They get a lot of mileage out of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, and this is the beginning of it.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's y- y- years. It, it's, it's interesting because yeah, it, it's like they could have had a big feud in 86, let's say, but they didn't quite have it. I mean, they had it in, in, in ways on house shows, but not in a televised way. So this is kind of neat to think about like, oh, what if like, instead of waiting until like 89, what if this was, you know, and it did happen in 85, 86. It just didn't happen on national TV in a way that the most people could see it because so really you neat. would
3: think that WrestleMania two would be Savage right, so I was versus bring Hogan. It up.
2: yeah Savage Hogan would have been a it would you know we all love Bundy in the cage and I mean it's iconic but at the end of the day it's not the greatest match and
3: as uh, Savage at WrestleMania two was a squander
2: yeah yeah absolutely yeah we'll save that for when we get there there's so many there's so many what ifs of, <laughs> then again
3: uh, maybe I'll love it now because now exactly. he's, yeah, George yeah. Steele's my hero
0: now yeah. no, he can make you laugh <laughs> <laughs> that's right
2: <laughs> Okay, let's break into October 1st and the debut of an iconic song. A song that changes wrestling. But before I even try to explain it, let's just hear it. And you'll see what I mean because you're going to recognize the song. But if you're not familiar with the story, you might get a little confused.
0: Enter X. And their opponents
1: To be led down the aisle by Captain Louis Albano Returning to the World Wrestling
0: Federation From Syracuse, New York Weighing 238 pounds Mike Rotundo And from Sweetwater, Texas 240 pounds, Billy
4: Windham! Billy
1: Windham! the ring, along with Mike Rotundo, former tag team champions of the World Wrestling Federation. And if there are ever any two that are real Americans, it's definitely Windham and Rotundo. And of course, without exception, you'd have to throw Captain Lewis Alpado in there as well.
2: Yeah, so the song "Real American" by Rick Derringer was written for the U.S. Express, Barry Windham, and Mike Rotundo.
3: I thought we were doing a thousand dances. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Save <for>
4: that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just to hear it coming oh. out.
3: Hey, one, one thing about, I think, uh, one of the things that I watched after the match, they played... I'd never seen that. That was the only time I ever saw him in the ring yeah. with that song playing. Neat. Uh, that could have been the Prism one, I, I, you know, but uh, if it wasn't that, or maybe... Anyway, there was something that I watched for prep for this, where yeah. I finally got to see Hogan, you know, and the crowd hearing that song it was pretty cool. Like, it, that's right. It's, yeah, it's too bad that it didn't. So get... we're we're in the
2: era leading up to the release of the the wrestling album, and there's a lot of songs that are used in WWF that were, you know, that are on that album. Some of them came out specifically on that album, and some of them were already in play. And so the Hulk theme that Jeff just referenced was written specifically for Hulk Hogan to get away from Eye of the Tiger and was coming out on that album. And it was for the TV show. So it was out by September. They had to be out because it was in the credits of of the Rock and Wrestling cartoon show in September. But we know that Hogan didn't start using it for a while. So there's this weird fuzzy area where he goes from Eye of the Tiger to Hulk theme until he eventually, because Barry Windham leaves... Uh, the WBF and they decide hey wait a minute let's use that song Real American for Hogan and I mean 99% of people that's what they know they know Real American it's tied to Hogan It, good feelings you know it's it, you know I love Eye of the Tiger I love them you know I love them both like I but I but if I know that it's supposed to be Eye of the Tiger and I hear Real American then then I don't like it <laughs> but is, but if it was but if when it was really real him coming up to Real American then I'm fine with it because really what it is it's about not dulling the crowd
3: Yeah. I can't say I had the same connection to Real American because, you know, when he was uh, crumpling up a photo of a foreign dictator, I was already rolling my eyes at, uh, (laughs) you know, just the the politicization of it all. But, um, you know, that wasn't such a thing that took away from the fact that I still enjoyed professional wrestling and I just overlooked um, some of that stuff. I mean, I've never been a flag waver. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's, you know, I'm more of a skeptic when it comes to like, you know, uh, these things, you of know, course, I, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah.
2: So it's interesting. They come out and Barry Windham's got the eye patch. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's wrestling with an eye patch. So, and they re- referenced the returning to the WWF. They've been off TV, I guess, for a while since they, they lost the title. Um, we know that they were around and in the crowd at, uh, um, you know, the previous edition. So there's, you know, like, or pardon me, this is, this would have been right before, October 1st is like right before they filmed that last Saturday Night's event that we reviewed. So I'm um, just getting cu- kind of caught up on that. Um, it's not much of a match to talk about, it's a squash match, but it's really funny, there's a double team move. Where, so wait, like, you're
3: saying the US Express came out to Real American? Yes, Okay, that's the match you're talking about right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the match isn't important. It's a, it was just to bring up the point that the song was debuting and being yeah. used. And so, uh, jobbers. Yeah, some jobbers. Uh, yeah, I recognize them. They're you know they're good jobbers, but they're uh, yeah not important.
3: But there's a funny. And you point didn't see this at the time. You had to look this
2: oh, up. Oh, of course. Yeah, I didn't see this at the time. No. Mm-hmm. no. Yeah, so they do, Wyndham and Rotundo whip, I think it's Ron Shaw, he's a really big guy, we've seen him recently in some of the cards we've watched, and they whip him off the ropes, and it's like, they do like a bounce, they do like a double team, like flying shoulder tackle, but Rotundo just somehow totally blows it and completely misses. <laughs> and, the, and the commentators even have to like, they have to make mention of it, because it's, it's that big of a botch. And then Barry Wyndham does a, a bulldog, and the, and the match is over, so that's That's all fine.
3: Yeah, I always like the bulldog, that's a good, yeah. that's a good finisher.
2: And uh, they, in, th- in this, you hear them talking about Hillbilly Jim, the commentator's talking about Hillbilly Jim's going to be returning from his injury next week. So this is kind of that time frame.
3: Did and you ever see the Bulldogs
0: do a Bulldog?
2: Not specifically. No, not no can think I I don't think so either. No, nope, they had seems, all those other great moves. Yeah, seems obvious. Yeah, it's two on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> so I just love this just real quick. They go from there to Mean Gene. He's with Heenan. And Heenan's like beside himself. He's so mad because Captain Lou Obano is one manager of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and he is just like so upset it's really great And uh,
3: one last thing the best bulldog Steiner Brothers finisher off the top row, bulldog now that's a bulldog
2: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah he <laughs> Enan has this uh, amazing line this amazing <laughs> jab at Lou Obano so we're just going to listen to that and see if we can get a laugh off it
1: All right, Bobby Heenan, come on it, if you would, please. Bobby Heenan, I know one thing that upset you was the manager of the year, and the way that thing turned out was Captain Lou Albano being named the official world wrestling. I'm not upset. I'm not the one with a headache. You should be upset. I'm not the one with seven stitches in my head. That's... I am the manager of the year. As you tell, uh, calculated those votes for me, I won. I don't care what that dumb hillbilly says, I don't care what that loudmouth pig Lou Albano says, I am the manager of the year. Simple, cut and dry. Now, you want to talk about conditions of people? Albano has seven stitches in his head. They took him to the hospital, they ran a test on his brain, they found nothing. (laughs) Hillbilly Jim is completely injured inside. Everybody knows the condition of Andre the Giant. Anybody that gets in my way, manager of the year, or stud in Bundy's way, you're going to have to answer to these two gentlemen. And if you don't think that's bad news, you ask the hillbilly and you ask Andre the Giant. What about yourself? Would you be uh, uh, amenable to putting on the, the tights and the boots, as they say? That's what she asked me. It's nobody's business. Oh, please give me a break. Yes, Big John Studd.
2: So then they bring Bundy and Stud into the frame and, you know, they just finish the interview. So that's, that's kind of the end of it. But that, that joke is just too good. So we're going to move from there to a really weird outdoor show, October 19th. In San and San Juan, Puerto Rico, and there's a couple of matches there, but there's something else important to note. So it's an outdoor show, and it doesn't have the greatest weather. <laughs> so it's a it's a rainy day for the, for this uh, card, and it really affects the matches. I know I've seen the the Killer Bees talk about being in a match where they just they feel like they can't take a step, like it's so dangerous to be in that ring. It's so slippery because they're at the end of the. I think they're one of the last matches, and they said it was just like. All they could do was just sort of just, like, hold on to each other, like, stay near the ropes and just, like, grab each other and just, like, let's just do a headlock and an armbar and something because they're just, you know, they really can't risk the footing on here. So
3: Yeah, I think I've heard maybe it was Chris Jericho who talked about being in a place where there was absolutely no uh, elasticity to the ring, like it was a fucking hardwood floor. Mm. And so the two guys are like, you know, no bumps. Wow. No bumps. Just like, you know, um rolls and, and you know, I just guess punch and kick each other. Yeah,
2: exactly. Wow. So one thing I noticed on this, and I and I can't prove this, I'm just gonna assume this is the case, but this card features a Wendy Richter title defense with Cindy Lauper. With her in San Juan, Puerto Rico in October 19th, like way after the fact. Like, so I couldn't find, I scanned the other results. Wendy's on cards, but they never mentioned Cindy Lauper. This is the only time I can see in the fall where they're mentioning her being with her. But there's no footage of it that I could find.
3: Rock and Wrestling, you know, uh, had such a big impact considering it was uh, so brief. Yeah. You know, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. That's right. Yeah. Blade Runner. <laughs>
2: So there's a couple of matches here that uh, that we wanted to just quickly note. And again, because of what's going on, and then there's not a lot happening in the match, so we don't have to talk too much about the matches themselves. But there's a Hulk Hogan title defense against John Studd. And it comes in mid-match. The, the clip is quite short. And Stud's got him in a bear hug. And that's basically, like, the whole match is, like, Stud just holds a bear hug, Hogan fights his way out, and then Stud gets the bear hug back. There's even one moment where Hogan actually, like, fights his arms down between Stud's arms, and then reverses it. Now Hogan's got the bear hug. Aha! That would be
3: good for uh, Orange Cassidy, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: the, you know, break the bear hug, but get your hands in, in the, the, the pockets. pockets yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's great. Yeah. So you can see all these umbrellas in the crowd. It's a really weird shot. It's a big crowd, but because of the weather during another match that's on the on this card you can see like there's hardly anybody there anymore I think the crowd finally gives up after I'm sure after the Hogan match it was kind of like okay we've we've seen what we need to see
3: talk about your monsoon yeah.
2: <laughs> that's right gorilla monsoon and you can hear him he's in a He's in a tent or something. He's probably got one of those like four like leg you know canopy tents, and you can hear the rain hitting the tent as he's talking. It's really coming through on the microphone, so it's just it's it's quite the scene. And the ring looks so different. I don't know if you noticed the turnbuckle. It's very. It looks like someone just went up Why to the. Why didn't you watch this? Just okay. It looks like somebody just went up to like the turnbuckle and wrapped it in electric tape. You know the, the metal the metal part. Like there does not well, appear to be any kind of like padding or what, anything. George you know? Animal Steel apparently <laughs> set up the ring. <laughs> <laughs> he, he already took all the uh, yeah. you know, all the fluff. <laughs> he,
3: he, he passed on lunch. He's like, uh oh, full. So, yeah,
2: so there's there's not much going on. Uh, Hogan does this atomic drop, and it's really funny, and they're near the ropes. And, and, John,
3: and this is the, the, the rain? St- wait. This Kel- is the rain, yeah. Okay. This is,
2: and so Hogan does an atomic drop on John Studd, and you can see Studd grab the top rope for balance. Yet he still, the moment he hits the ground from the atomic drop, his feet, it's like banana peel slip. And he goes, he goes flying. And you can tell that's not, you know, not what's supposed to happen. Right. And uh, so they're just doing as little as possible. The fight goes outside. Hogan pushes Stud into the post and then beats the count back inside. But getting in the ring, he fucking slips and almost falls. Like, you know, it's really dangerous. Like, you know, and so he he wins the match. And Stud leaves, and it's really funny because Monsoon has missed out on the fact that the referee has counted out St- John Studd, so he's commentating as if the match is still going on. And he's like, well, I don't know if John Studd doesn't get back in here, he's going to get counted out. And it's like, uh, he got counted out like 10 seconds ago. It's pretty funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so then we get that, I, I, I did see it, it sounds like you didn't see it, so I'll just briefly touch on it. There's a Tito Santana title defense against Randy Savage. In the ring? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they, it's a similar situation. They've got the, you know, there's no Elizabeth at ringside. Mm. Um, The crowd looks really like sparse at this point. Like, you know, and these are separate clips. So I don't know what part of the card this would fall into. I didn't look Mm -hmm. it up to see what the order was, but you know, my guess is that it's later in the card and people who were sick of getting soaked (laughs) have left because there's not, there's a lot of people around the ring, but like now instead of like a huge crowd of, in in the stands, they're just empty. Right. And uh, so they're just kicking and punching each other as much as they can because right. they can't really do their shtick. Yeah. They can't do much of anything. Uh, and it's a lot of, like you said, Savage li- leaving the ring, you know, stalling yeah. and getting out and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I didn't, think I was going over this one blow for blow, so I didn't really, you know, watch that carefully. But I did want to see it. I was like, you know, how did, how did this go down? So really just to skip to the end, Tito gets a sneaky pin. He like, you know, he kind of rolls up Savage from behind or a small package or something. I th- I, actually, it's a body slam. Uh, Savage tries to body slam Tito when and and he holds on for an inside cradle, and he gets the pin.
3: Well, maybe this is a little opportunity to uh, explain how Randy Savage almost broke my neck.
2: Oh, yes! <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, um, so certainly these guys had to protect themselves when the uh, ring gets slippery and, uh, you know, the conditions change and they can't count on, you know, the same traction. So <clears throat> somebody could break their neck, you know, and, yeah. circ- and like jumping off the top rope and, uh, you yeah. know, very dangerous for the wrestlers. And uh, apparently dressing up as a wrestler can be very dangerous too. <laughs> <laughs> so... I learned that it was fun to do Randy Savage's voice, and as I got a little older, I'd like to uh, dress up as Savage to go to wrestling events. And so one one of the times that I did that, we were in the parking lot of the Pony Corral restaurant here in South Winnipeg, and uh, would this have been a Tony Candelo? Uh, yes, I, I yeah. So <clears throat> my macho man costume at that point. I was a skinnier man <laughs> and uh, was a leather jacket that I had uh, put some kind of tassels on, like the fringes. Savage, you know, did the fringes. And you can go a long way with uh, the right pair of sunglasses and a headband. And I guess I was old enough to have a scruffy little tuft of beard. I I might have been at this point, probably 19 or 20. Uh, this is not 13 year old Jeff. No, no, no I, I'm like, no, a, no. I'm a grown man. And I had motorcycle boots because wrestling boots are actually a pretty rare item. You don't really come across, you know. And they're soft soled, you know, footwear that are flat, you know. And so these motorcycle boots uh, are what I had, and I was wearing jeans, and um, I was recognizable as Savage. And there was no security to speak of. (laughs)
2: That's totally right.
3: (laughs) And um, maybe just to set the
2: set the picture here, uh, so we're in the parking lot of a restaurant that's connected to wrestling, let's say, and they have pictures of wrestlers all over the restaurant. And, and so this is the Sunday of a WrestleMania. I'm going to say that it's WrestleMania eight. Uh, and, and they're doing a show in the afternoon before WrestleMania starts. And the whole deal is with these places is if you come in and buy dinner, lunch, whatever, you can stick around and watch the pay-per-view. And there was no cover charge, but you had to like, you know, you had to buy a meal and, and, and all that. So, they timed it so there was this free outdoor show with maybe two three matches, and then you'd go inside and you got to watch, and it was all it all lined up perfectly for us.
0: Yeah,
3: so uh, I do not remember who the wrestlers were that night, but I do know that uh, I Bulldog got
2: Bulldog Bob Brown. Ah, <laughs> thank you, Chris Jericho.
0: Oh Jesus
2: not against each other but uh, right. they they were they each appeared on that card and Bulldog Brad Brown got hardway blood on the post he wasn't protecting himself and we were right in front of him and I'm like thinking like He's probably getting paid like in lunch or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, why is this? like, you know, 55, 60 year sixty-year-old man taking like, you know, headshots of
3: the post for like, you know, a ten-dollar payday. Wow. Well, there's the dedication. Also shows you how much my head's up my own ass because I don't remember <laughs> anything about my experience except for my experience. Yeah, yeah. Which anyway, <laughs> forgive my narcissism if you can, my Licks Lugerism. But um, so uh, that now does ring a bell, Bulldog Bob Brown. Who, uh, you know, I always wanted, you know, more physique, younger wrestlers, but <laughs> he was right. a heel. And so, you know, he, uh, like Fred Flintstone, gets in the ring or something. That's right. I got into the ring. I climbed up to the, onto the apron and, and uh, you know, played to the crowd of, like, maybe 40 Yeah, people. when the matches
2: ended, a bunch of people got in the ring. Yeah. And then Jeff took that opportunity to, like, you know, just follow up, suit.
3: I climbed up on the apron and was not... Yeah, I was different from, like, there were children who got in. and Turned bouncing you know, off the ropes. Yeah. Um, but not too many adults got in there. No, no. And certainly no adult got in there and started to act like a professional wrestler. No, no. So I stuck my thing up. My finger, you know, pointed <laughs> straight to the sky, and I did a little, you know, twirl up my arm, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the crowd responded. Yeah. So uh, I climbed into the ring and did a little bit of, uh, you know, probably spread my arms Yeah, arm. I think you so, got up on
2: the ropes, like the second yeah, rope, so you can yeah, point at the crowd. Yeah,
3: there you go. I climbed up on the second rope, so I could point at the... Yes, yeah, I did that. And then uh, I thought, okay, I don't want to have to be told to leave, so That's I'm right. going to make my own exit on my terms. So... I didn't have the guts to climb to the third and come down with a double-axe handle. Like, there's, you know, we <laughs> were in a parking lot, you know, yeah, yeah, concrete, yeah. and there's no No, no mats. No. no mats. But, uh, hot shot that I was, I thought I would leap over the top rope from inside of the ring onto the ground. Yeah, like the way you hop over a fence, both feet to the same side. That's right. Little alley-oop. So I go for it. I've never done this in my life. <laughs> and my foot catches on the rope. <laughs> yes. And then, like, in a split second, my life flashes before my <laughs> eyes as I picture myself either, you know, you know being embarrassed to death or yeah. literally breaking Dying, my yeah. neck, splitting my fucking cranium on the yeah. parking lot yeah, of the yeah. Pony Corral on Pamela Highway yes. in Winnipeg and ending my life at, you know, fucking <laughs> being in a wheelchair. Fortunately, I really only just clipped the top rope yeah, with yeah. my toe of my boot, and I I stuck the landing. That's right.
2: I, I was... Right, I was right there. I mean, there wasn't the crowd was small enough that we could be wherever we wanted. So I was within like two people to the ring or something, and I saw your foot catch. And I had that moment of like everything was slow motion. And I was like, Jeff's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus and then Christ. You, and then you landed, and I was so relieved because I was thinking like, I don't want to take him to the hospital. I want to watch WrestleMania. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Stick to landing, kid. Stick That's to right. landing. Oh, man, that was probably, um, yeah, I got to say, I think that was my only taste. I, even though lately, I've been dreaming. I like that. Um, yeah, yeah. The other night, I was, I had a dream where I'm like, about to make my professional wrestling debut. <laughs> you know, I'm a 50-year-old man.
2: <laughs> and you find out they're going to take a pizza cutter and slice your head open or Yeah, no or thanks, I'll pass. Light tubes.
3: <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's another time that... Uh, this is, is is not as funny a story. I was at the Winnipeg Arena dressed as Randy Savage, for, you know, at an actual WWF event. And some kind of biker guy who was in his cups and, you know, half cut, he looks at me and he smiles. He's like, hey, hey, hey who are you supposed to be? So I do a little, you know, I'm a macho man, and do man, my thing. Um, but I'm only 22 and this guy's you know, uh, a mature guy. Yeah. It wasn't that he was a giant, but he looked like he was with another another bunch of bikers. Yeah. Anyway, so he just laughs. He says, Yeah, get out of here before I break your neck. And I was, you know, stunned silent. Yeah. You know, yeah. This guy's the fucking thug threatening yeah. me with violence. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, if you're going to dress like uh, a guy who fights for a living, occasionally, you know, somebody might uh, put you in a position where you're like, you a bit. Yeah, exactly. Challenge you. I mean, I even got almost challenged when I dressed as a savage. Uh, at the wrestling card we went to the other night, the guy was kind of rudely asked me if my Macho Man glasses were for sale, and I kind of rudely replied to him. You know, I sort of snore. The only problem was, like, he had three buddies that were bigger than him, and I had you. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you yeah, <yeah, yeah>. <laughs> my backup dork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Draper dad here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Don't get me wrong. You've had your day as a national athlete, but this guy had three. And they even, they were all just, yeah. So anyway, um, you're going to court a little. Some people will ask you for a photo. You know, and, you know, I think a guy hugged me. You yeah, know. yeah,
2: lots of people were happy to see you and it was yeah. a good time. But yeah. But
3: the very first thing was a guy who thinks that he can just, you know, purchase the essence of this, you know, character that I'm portraying by asking me if, if he can buy the shades. So, right, yeah. But uh, yeah, dressing as a macho man, I, I almost broke my own neck jumping out of a ring. A biker almost broke my neck <laughs> at, the, at the Winnipeg <laughs> Arena. And then a four bull- guys almost yeah. broke your neck. And yeah. then four guys, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> at the at that then that wouldn't have been the Winnipeg Arena. Now uh Winnipeg's entertainment Sports Complex, I think it's called the Canada Life Centre That's now. right. Yeah. It yeah. used to be the Bell MTS Centre Center for a long time, yeah. And different stuff and uh you know the Jets played at the Winnipeg uh, Arena back in the day and now the Jets play at the uh, Canada Life Centre uh here in downtown Winnipeg whereas the arena was further west. The arena was further west.
2: That's right. So, that brings us to a match October 21st. Andre the Giant and his tag team partner, Hippily Jim, and they're fighting Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy.
3: Okay, tell me about it. Where? Yeah. I uh, guess it doesn't really matter.
2: I, yeah, I did, the, the clip came in. Is it Philadelphia? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Might even be Madison Square Garden. I, I'd have to go look it up. It's, oh. It wasn't really relevant, I guess. That's pretty
3: ideal, though. I mean, those are two, you know, MSG's always got the teeth. They're always taping it, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Much like Philly. So the match kind of start. the whole thing starts in progress. There's no entrance. There's just the four wrestlers are already in the ring, and there's a bit of yapping going on, and, and Stud hasn't even taken his robe off yet. And uh, Andre decides that's a good opportunity to, like, just head over and, uh, you know, just start beating on him. <laughs> he just attacks right away. It's pretty funny. <laughs>
3: Joke? Is he joking? him?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's choking him. So, as this match is getting set up, sorry, pardon me. As, you know, they're in the ring. There's a, there's a few. There's a short while where they're just standing, the you know, two guys in each corner. And Jesse and Monsoon are on the call. And they're talking, hyping up this uh, Piper's Pit, this live Piper's Pit that's gonna. Yeah, it's Madison Square Garden because it's, it's Piper's Pit with, for Bruno. So this is around that time when you know we we talked about the Orndorff Bruno stuff. So not re, it's not relevant to this match, but it's what the commentators are talking about and focusing on. So yeah, Andre grabs Stud and just starts choking him, of course. And Hillbilly and, and big and King Kong Bundy start throwing hands, and uh, you know basically <laughs> Andre's just chucking Stud around. He's never very nice to him. And Jesse just goes in on Albano. He's like, I don't know why, but all of a sudden he's like, look at that disgusting slob. <laughs> he's just like, man's never been in the gym.
3: And he's just... Well, I think he won ugliest bartender uh, competition, <laughs> Lou Albano. is <He's> famously ugly. <laughs>
2: yeah. So then... Bundy just squashes. Like he, they talk about the fact that Bundy had squashed Hillbilly Jim at some time recently. So, this is sort of, you know, not only is Andre trying to look for revenge for all these attacks from the heels, Hillbilly Jim's, you know, here to get some revenge for what they did to him i guess they they must have double teamed him and splashed him and stuff like that he's
3: a pretty good uh addition to this uh giant roster you know stud bundy andre and yeah like he's a
2: big enough guy like he's kind of in that tony atlas range where he's like you know he's a he's a large man you know he's he's a very very tall man uh he looks big you know he, he again he missed his moment in the sun because of his knee injury and kind of became this joke character i think you know but who knows what might have happened if he didn't get injured at the time that he was like it seemed like they really wanted to do something with him there's basically a point where andre takes a really big bump like uh there's a back he does like a backdrop attempt and like gets a kick and he throws himself backwards pretty good for this era like you know it was, a, it was a surprise to see Andre go down the way he went down and so there's a lot of double teaming in the corner they got Andre caught for a long time and Hillbilly Jim keeps coming in to like you know break it up but the refs always like pushing him out you know so then uh, you know the more double teaming on Andre and Bundy finally misses an avalanche and uh on studs holding Andre against the ropes so Bundy comes in for this avalanche you know not in the corner but you know just up against the prone andre and andre moves out of the way which knocks stud off the apron that's pretty funny it's pretty it's pretty good and so finally andre knocks stud into his the stud comes in at the, you know and they they keep andre down so they stud comes in and finally andre gets this one good headbutt and he and then hillbilly jim grabs his arm so it's like finally after all this double teaming like the story is like it's a double team double team double team and then finally the good guys have a moment where they get to do a double team and that's so that's pretty funny and uh
0: turn
2: yeah, exactly. So, you know, Hillbilly Jim holds him open. Andre gets uh, scissors from Captain Luobano. So he's, like, going after Stud's hair. He wants to, like, you know, he wants to cut his hair. Revenge for the haircut. Still, this is, like, a long story. Like, this is, you know, the haircut was 84. We're in, you know, we're here we are, fall of 85, and this this haircut revenge story is still, still playing out.
3: Hillbilly Jim, he's got a lot to lose in the haircut. <laughs> yeah, and,
2: yeah, hopefully they're not cutting his know, hair. <laughs> at the stakes, he's got that big fuzzy brown
3: afro and beard. Yeah. That was, his look was just all this hair. And a great physique.
2: Yeah, so they they basically Bundy comes in to break up this haircut opportunity, but Andre will not be denied. <laughs> he like shrugs off Bundy, and the ref starts forcing Bundy to leave because he's not tagged he's not tagged in. And then sure enough, they do they cut a big chunk of Stud's hair, like they they take some of the some of the hair off the top of his head, and you know when they get it off and stuff like that. And it, so at that point, Bundy comes in again and drop drops Andre this time. He knocks Andre down in the corner and then Stud comes off he's mad. <laughs> he comes off the top rope. It's it's a really unique look to see on you know stud jump off the top rope and hit, you know, Andre. I think Bunny's either holding him open or he's staggered or whatever. So Wow. So you know, yeah. So there's a point well, where like Sid
3: vicious when he broke him he tried to he tried to land on one foot and kick like when when Sid vicious was yes, sort yes. of like uh, pressured into like some kind of a rope thing yeah you, you know so if you land on both feet I guess you know it's, you have half the weight that's on right each yeah limb can, yeah exactly but yeah. if you come down on one leg like Sid vicious you learn the hard way that yeah if you, some don't, if you don't land it right yeah.
2: right or if there's already some condition that's a problem then yeah you're gonna have an, you're gonna have an issue so yeah there's a point where Heenan grabs Andre's leg. And he tries to bounce off the ropes, and that's when sort of the whole match kind of <laughs> falls down. So you see Albano come in and just smoke Heenan, like you know, from, from like you know, it's on the opposite side of the ring, on the outside. Albano comes in and punches Heenan pretty good. And at this point, there's like a four-way brawl going on inside the ring. But then the camera switches back to Heenan, and Heenan's gotten the advantage, and he just slams Albano into the stairs and Ooh. takes
3: Albano out. To... Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's really good. So then. You know, the, the the heels have the advantage. I think it's like stud and Andre in the one corner and Heenan gets in the ring and he comes charging in to like try and double team Andre. <laughs> 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 but Andre's like no. <laughs> he just he just grabs them both, double noggin knocker and like, you know, it's then- so- him uh, Stud in Heenan ah. Double knock knocker And Heenan's like You know We all know how Heenan can flop Right So oh, that's yeah. just That's just awesome And so basically the, the main big heels take off But Heenan's stuck in the ring With Andre <laughs> And Jim <laughs> And Captain Lou Battle And they take turns Taking a couple of shots at him
0: Oh so good Yeah
2: yeah He takes a huge bump And it's really funny you know, Of course
0: the <laughs> yeah. Best best and, talent we had Said yes, Greg Gagne
2: right. And it's a double DQ Of course Because they just yeah. like You know they just I love it out.
3: Good old Bobby Heenan.
2: Weasel, weasel.
1: (laughs) Andre, after all, Stone, look at that. The brain's got him by the foot. And Andre reaching down. Had his hands, look at this. Albano going after Heenan. All four men inside the ring. Albano jammed into the steel steps. Pandemonium. Heenan's doing a number on Albano outside the ring. And Bundy's taking care of the hillbilly. Bobby Heenan's family getting the upper hand here. Referee calling for the bell. The brain came in and Andre caught him. As mayhem
0: goes on here in Madison.
2: Okay, so this is a weird one. October 22nd. Syndicated TV. Hulk Hogan fighting Rusty Brooks. (laughs) Who's <laughs> like this big heavy jobber?
3: Yeah, he. this guy, Rusty Brooks. You know, he seems so familiar, and that I don't know if I've ever seen him before, but he looks just you know, uh, prototype jobber, big guy, yeah, uh, big bowling ball of a guy, and uh, you know, good jobber, expressive. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he yeah. was kind of, I remember him, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's Hogan versus a jobber,
2: that's right, yeah. I mean, and and just for context here, like. Hogan did not wrestle Jobbers in WWF like on TV very many times. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here and say it probably happened less than two or three times that we know of. Like he did in the AWA when he first came in and stuff, but like not not in the WWF. Like he just didn't wrestle on TV basically. And to see him wrestle a Jobber was you know really
3: something funny. something's up.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so before the match can even start, up on
0: the apron we see we see the robe, Macho Man. Ooh, yeah, Okumani is dead. Yeah. Here to see it right now, number one contender, number one trail pick. Dig
2: it! (laughs) So yeah, this Rusty Brooks guy, he's kind of got like that bastion booger, like, you know, muckasing, you know, kind of body type. He's a bowling ball, like he's he's just round.
3: Very big man. Huge.
2: I think the announcement over 300 pounds. And so yeah, so then Elizabeth gets up in the ring and she gets gets the mic.
3: Yeah, this doesn't actually become precedent.
2: Yeah, I was going to say like, because I didn't want to... Jeff was making a point about Elizabeth and her character, and it's 100% true. This is kind of like an out exception to the rule. It's out of character. She's a little bit, you know, how to put it? She's a, she's She almost is a bit heelish here, because she's she's doing the Macho Man's bidding, and she asks Hulk Hogan over the microphone why he doesn't ever wrestle anyone with any real credentials. And she does it in a bit of a sarcastic way, a bit of a, you know, there's, a, there's something to it, you know? Yeah, so I
3: think the bookers realized that uh, quickly. That wasn't that, the way to go. Correct.
2: So as this is happening, Rusty Brooks takes <laughs> takes the advantage and decides he's gonna come after Hogan. So he charges Hogan and gets in some shots. And so Savage and Elizabeth. This you know, is his title shot. That's right. This is his big moment. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he gets a couple of shots in, and they end up in the corner. And then you you right away you end up with like you know you end up with the Hulk up in the corner, and he just punches Brooks a couple times, does a really big clothesline, leg drop, and one two. Three, and the camera work for this is just perfect. Hogan stands up, and the moment he stands up, from off camera, you can't even see it happening, Macho Man comes in with a flying double, double axe handle smash to the back and nails him perfectly, like right in the middle of the ring, and is on him, like kicking him, punching him, but Hogan's up pretty quick, and he you know he he reverses things and gets a couple of shots, and Savage ends up taking a spill over the top rope, and they decide to like you know hit the bricks with Elizabeth, and like the, you know the, he's pointing back and stuff like that. And, uh,
3: you know that it's it's how it's uh, the timing is poor, but the now this reminds me how in Philadelphia after Savage lost, he went and snuck. Around the ring, got the belt and clobbered Hogan with his (laughs) own belt after the match. It was a rare one because, and then Hogan takes it, and you know he and he's out in the ring. Nice. And Hogan's you know uh, recovering after the match after he beats Savage clean. He's uh, you know, and not only that, the um, fans were close enough to the ring that uh, Hogan was able to like you know have one hand on the apron, the other hand on the barricade. Wow, it was. That was the closest I've ever seen the actual fans to the ring with the steel barricades, and this is in Philadelphia. So we'll have to yeah. keep our eye on that if it's consistent. But um, Yeah,
2: there's a couple of spots that are really small, and there's tables in there. You know, like we talked about one of the, I think it was the Bruno Orndor versus, you know, Piper and Orton. And, like, they had a couple of different tables set up inside of the railing, and then there was just no room. <laughs> there was like, you know, you had to go sideways to fit between the ring and the table, you know? Right.
3: Like, so Savage is flexing and posing inside the ring after bashing Hogan with his own belt. And then uh, he loses track of Hogan. Hogan comes in and, you know, beats Savage, and he has to run away. And then Hogan does his whole, uh, you know, give the crowd the pose down. But, um, yeah, I had forgotten how... Savage used the belt to attack Hogan after the match and how cl- H- Hogan was able to, from the ring, he was able to lean out over and, you know, you know, shake a guy's hand, but not handshake them, you know, the upside down handshake that old, hey brother, cra- clasp yeah, hands, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. looks like arm wrestling handshake, you know, like. <laughs> so after Savage takes
2: off there and they're like, they're still in the ring, ring area and the cameras going back and forth between Hogan and. And Savage and Elizabeth, and like Elizabeth's trying to convince him to leave, and he's kind of like Macho Man's thinking about whether he's going to go back in or not. Yeah. And there's this big pose down. And the, when the music came out, when Hogan came out initially, I couldn't make out what the music was. It wasn't real American Pumped In. Give me a second. <laughs> and then, and then you know, so I, I, and then I got to the end of the match, and then there was no question when because the, they they wait until this whole drama plays out, and then they put Hogan's music on.
3: The and piano one. Na, 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 na,
2: na, na, na. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was great. And then I was like, oh, that's what it is. It's perfect. So, you know, there we go. This error is like him using the whole Okay, thing. so
3: it wasn't the Philadelphia probably where I heard that. It was this Rusty Brooks. Because I couldn't resist. I went and yeah. looked, had a look yeah, at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though you were assigned that I wanted to see this, uh, you know, Hogan Savage 85.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just want to take it all in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just a, a little side note here real quick. October 26th we see the debut of Dan Spivey. And he's subbing for Barry Windham in a match with Mike as Mike Rotundo's partner. So we've talked about this before, about like, was Dan Spivey there at the same time? Yes, no. And, you know, it seemed like he wasn't, even though my memories of the first Saturday Night's event was, you know, wrong, that they were all there. And then now I'm seeing like, hey, here's these listings. And I went and looked, and there's several listings of singles matches and tag matches where Dan Spivey is listed as a sub for Barry Windham. There is one match where... Barry Windham's wrestling somebody and there's a different wrestler, I'm forgetting who it is, is subbing for Mike Rotundo. But when I looked at all that other information, I'm thinking like, I think that one's a typo because like, Barry Windham's like not in any other card around that time and they're all talking about he left. So I'm almost thinking somebody just marked that down wrong and that was probably Mike Rotundo and that guy, you know, in that match. So anyways, that's just to kind of put a little fine point on when we start seeing Dan Spivey.
3: Now there's something at the end of this He would uh, replace another... Uh, he would be a tag team replacement as well in the uh, the Twin Towers when, at first, I think it was... The Skyscrapers. Thank you.
2: Well, no, he was the original tag team. It was, ah. it was Spivey and Sid Vicious, and then, at one point, Sid Vicious, you know, went to play softball or injured or whatever the situation was, and then that's when you get mean Mark Kellis, which is the Undertaker, you know, so, like, you have a, a Mark Kellis... Dan Spivey, Thank 19. you.
3: for No buzzers necessary. Thank you. Yeah, Clarification. We've, we've
2: already, we, yeah, if we correct it within the same sentence, yeah. no buzzer needed. No buzzer. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap up this pre-show stuff. It's a couple of important things. So I had noted that a wrestler by the name of Rick McGraw had passed away around this time. And it was kind of, he was one of these famous wrestlers for as far as like, he wasn't a big star, but um, he died young. I think he was about thirty or something like that. And a lot of the wrestlers would say it's you know because of a lot of the the pills he was taking. He had a heart attack, but it was like you know this condition was caused by you know him abusing whatever it was. It's... Was he a
3: Roydy guy?
2: No, no, he wasn't. He was he's actually quite small. You know, he's he's a good fit looking athlete. Kind of looked like maybe he could be on the Fantastics or something like that. But like you know, he's like five foot seven, so he's kind of short for a wrestler and I had read some stuff about him. He actually got to do some tag matches with Andre, and they just kind of laughed at the idea of, like, this super tall Andre beside this really short Rick McGraw. And, you know, he was kind of like Jobber Elite Plus or something like that. He wasn't, like, you know, a real top card guy, but he also wasn't just a Squatch Match guy. And that led to, there's a Piper's Pit at the end of October, and he's on there. And Piper's, you know, bugging him for basically being a loser and not having a good career. And But Marston McGraw's all, you know, is pretty... Um, Mouthy himself, and you know he flips Piper's kilt and makes fun of him for, and, you know everyone in that era would always just make fun, you know the kilt thing would be about the dress and whatever, and but he's also he would also make fun of Piper for only talking and never wrestling on TV, and at one point he's getting he's getting worried about uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, so Piper tells him, no oh, no come stand behind me Bob, you know you know we don't want to we don't want to make this, we only worry about that for elite talent. We you know we we have stars on the show. We're not used to having, you know, this this kind of this kind of wrestler. So basically it turns into like a challenge for a fight and McGraw stands up and says he says so well, how about you fight me on TV and he slaps Piper in the face.
0: Wow. <laughs> and he
2: leaves the set. So Piper's like ah, rah, rah, and he's like I'm going to show you why they don't, I don't wrestle on TV you know, what I'm going to do to you. Wow. And so there's a match uh that airs on November 2nd and McGraw gets some shots in and stuff, but Piper eventually starts no-selling, you know, the punches and the kicks and stuff. he's
3: not going to fucking lay down for Hogan. He's not going to
0: lay down for McGraw.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he does, like, a series of moves. He does a DDT that they don't call a DDT. We've seen it before. He, although it looks more like a DDT, this one, than the Orndorff right. one. And he does, like... I think he does, like, almost more of, like, a Brain Buster-type suplex. He does a swinging neckbreaker on the guy, and he keeps picking him up. Kind of, you won't pin him, you know? And then he does another DDT, and then the ref actually calls for the, you know, the match to be called off. Oh, wow. So they do this whole thing where, like, McGraw can't continue. And... That's kind of the end of the angle.
3: They have the chance for the Rocky storyline. Let me at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the,
2: I guess the interesting note that I was only figured out this last week when I was looking at this stuff is that Rick McGraw passed away the day before this match aired.
3: <laughs> Ghost Rick McGraw? That's
2: right. And, in, you know, there hmm. were some people who actually in some circles were like, was it because of the injuries from this match? Like, there was almost that moment of, like, did, you know, did Rick McGraw die because of, like, this match with Piper? Which, of course, was in no way that, you know, that's not at all what it was. But um, it's just interesting. I'd always heard of Rick McGraw dying young, and he's being this bad, you know, example of, like, you know, what not to do. But I never I never heard of this timeline of, like, the fact that, like, he had this televised match that aired after the day after he passed away.
3: Well, I heard from Piper's own lips that the coconut kicked the shit out of Snooka. and that there were some angles about the crowds liked Snuka and not Hogan, and that, uh, you know, that coconut, like, rattled, may have even, like, given him a concussion. Okay. Um, And uh, Piper himself may have some regrets about, uh, you know, his role in in, uh, hitting Snuka too hard with that coconut. I think he was saying I'd never you know, worked with a coconut before. I didn't know how hard to hit him. I mean, it made for great TV, but...
2: Yeah, I think he said he just went to the grocery store that day and just grabbed stuff, and, like, you know, it wasn't, like, a big pre-plan, you know?
3: Uh Uh-huh. But he feels that it could have been somehow involved with the whole, like, we want Hogan to get the cheers and not Snuka, so we're going to, you know, tear down Snuka, and then, you know, maybe nobody ever intended to, like, give him a concussion or, you know you rattle his brains for real, but like, you know, there's a possibility that that coconut shot did, you know, just sort of, I mean, like if you take the wrong hit in an NFL game, you can't do, you know, you can't do the alphabet properly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's scary stuff. So we have one last thing to touch on. This would be uh, again, November 2nd. So this is the morning, Saturday morning. So like Saturday Main event is that night, but Hey, if we're watching Saturday morning wrestling, we're going to see a certain Piper's pit with a certain commentator.
3: So there's a Piper's pit where Jesse the Body Vantira is talking about the heat that they're building with the hillbillies. And there are some pretty good zingers on Saturday Night's main event, but this one really only gets a chuckle. Too bad, considering the potential with two incredible talkers, Jesse the Body and Roddy Piper. Um, But, you know, the the humor here doesn't land.
2: No, not exactly. It's a bit off, and it's just, yeah, it's just just sort of noted. I just keep thinking about it like... If I was watching syndicated TV week to week, that and knowing the Saturday's event was going to be on, especially because they kind of broadcasted the previous month, like you know, Saturday morning, oh my god, I get to watch Saturday's event tonight, and here they are actually talking about you know, Saturday's event that morning. So it's kind of even though this was taped well in advance, it's all tied together.
3: Yeah, it's an uncharacteristically weak Piper's Pit, I'm afraid.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. If we literally lined yeah. them up and watched all of them, I'm sure we would oh, pull up it's some, some it's bad a ones.
3: It's a very high standard <laughs> to uh, to keep to stick to stick yeah. to, so they can be forgiven. But uh, yeah, just just keeping it honest, this wasn't my favorite.
2: Yeah, there wasn't anything any gold, and I, I think traditionally the best Piper Pitts is when he has baby faces on because then he's yeah, kind of attacking them and poking. Yeah, them. when it's just a little love-in, then you need something else that's comedy gold. I when wasn't we've even. Seen, we've seen some good ones where it's been with heels, but not 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 as yeah.
3: much. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Piper gets to be at his best when he plays tough and then, or, you know. And, and, <laughs> and then chickens or, out. Yeah, exactly. Or he's like a chicken, and then he gets yappy and runs away, <laughs> <laughs> like you did with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> kissed his butt until he finally, ah, you're steak, and he runs That's away. That's right. That's yeah. great.
2: Yeah. Right, so there's a few ways you can follow us or get a hold of us. We wanted to pass that along and make sure it's clear what to do. So if you have any stories, any thoughts, any feelings you want to pass along, please email us at legendarywrestlingobsession at gmail.com. And, of course, we really want people to go over to Patreon, where they can eventually find episodes 2 and 3 of our Growing Up AWA. We'll be there on Patreon. And to get there, you're going to have to type in patreon.com forward slash legendarywrestlingobsession. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And if you're having trouble or anyone's having trouble finding our podcast, Send them over to legendarywrestlingobsession.podbean.com. And that's where you'll find our episodes. It's the quickest place they load. The fastest way to listen to us talk about wrestling. What he said. Okay, well, that's wrapping up the first half. So much information to get us to that broadcast, Saturday Night's Main Event, Episode 3, the Halloween Edition. So, we're going to be back in the second half. We're going to look for some corrections. We're going to talk about all the matches. And we're going to talk about a magical song. Okay, we're going to see you in the second half. Take care.
0: The winner of this battle, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan! Right.
2: We're back, and it's almost time for Saturday Night's Main Event. But first... We need to look back, correct a few things, expand on them, see what we can talk about, find a little bit more information to take this thing all home. So, I think the first thing we want to talk about is Mr. Fuji.
3: Yes, indeed. Well, he actually didn't team with the actor, professional wrestler, who portrayed Odd Job in James Bond. Now, that fellow was uh, named Harold Sakata. And he was born in 1920, and he lived until 1982. So we know that Fuji was still participating, in even in the ring, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a different generation, I would say. Yeah. Um, this this Mister, well, actually, I keep wanting to call him Mister Sakata because Corey and I are used to a guy named Mister Saito, and then we would see Mr. in the AWA and then we saw Mr. Fuji so you know it's just this thing like oh that must be Mr. you know um <laughs> but that that's not he never went by Mr. Sakada
4: right yeah he,
3: he went by um Tosh Togo right and he was actually this guy a weightlifter an american olympian and um an american veteran this uh he was born in Hawaii and uh odd job served yeah in the american army and and, and of course world war 2 was at, at the time where there were um, even internment camps, I think. So So, uh, Mr. Fuji indeed teamed with somebody. I'm going to give Corey yes. a break here. The guy that Mr. Fuji teamed with... I said
2: with. the right name, I just didn't... I, I, I credited him with the wrong ah. acting role. Well,
3: I, I'm not pointing any fingers here.
2: <laughs> I feel the blame. Karate chop!
3: <laughs> hi Take that! Okay, so Mr. Fuji was a champion with a different guy. Now i got to press the right button on my... With Professor... Tanaka,
2: which is what I said. I just okay. I got screwed up. That all oh, right. That well Professor then, I Tanaka didn't. Tanaka was. the I see. Person who played Odd Job when he was not.
3: Okay. Well, there we have a clarification. So I was like half right. Sure. <laughs> and so they also are like like um, could be father son. These guys like in their body and their look, they're just almost identical. So uh, Fuji and Professor Tanaka. Oh, and the only fun yeah. thing there that is that I, I just stumbled on a page and see that um, these guys are my height. Both of them. Well, I mean, I started at one point. I was five eleven. I might be five ten now. <laughs> I've been shrinking quicker than that. <laughs> ah, the only difference being that these guys are built at two seventy and <laughs> right two sixty, <$260, laughs> and uh, these days I'm about two hundred. So, yeah. anyway, there we go. A little more detail about Mister Fuji. Yeah.
2: So, and but really, what we wanted to also touch on is that we were sort of we were thinking out loud. We thought, did he have tag titles, and who did he tag with? So we basically pulled out the right partners. And we generally were correct, but we missed a a tiny bit. So we'll just quickly go through this. I won't touch on everything. Just give you a little Mr. Fuji snapshot, because I don't think he really gets, he's always mentioned in, you know, Demolition, Powers of Pain, you know, but he doesn't always get a lot of love for his own accomplishments. So his first tag team championship was in 1966. He was the NWA Hawaii tag team champion with King Curtis Akeia which is one of Jeff's confusing favorites, which is the, the wizard, the, the forehead oh,
0: guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The
3: guy with a forehead like Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Or so, Dusty Rhodes.
2: There, there you go. So then he came in to the WWWF and formed this team with Tanaka, and they were managed by the Grand Wizard. So not... The wizard we were just talking about, but the Ernie Roth guy. Yeah, like, you know, he was before our time. We totally missed him. He we looked like, like a good yeah. character.
3: He looked like a lot of fun. The Grand Wizard. I, yeah, he I, was I, important. Re- you know, like, uh, maybe Superstar Billy Graham. I I don't want to. Oh stick my gosh, head out. Yeah, was, yeah. There was a lot of people <laughs> he, don't, he managed, though. He
2: was, you know. We don't need for to for sure. open up more cans of worms here That's right, in the got correction section.
3: <laughs> so, the correction section, you see, brother.
2: So. Fuji and Tanaka had a couple of, uh, title reigns there in the sort of 72, 73, and then they leave in 74, they're in the mid-Atlantic in 74 and 75, 75, they actually go to Georgia and they win the Georgia championship, you know, the, that version of the NWA Georgia Tag Team Championships. And then he moves into 1976, Jeff like this, he goes to big time wrestling in California.
3: Pat Patterson and that That's sort of right. stuff, Battle Mr. Royals. Fuji,
2: Mr. Fuji beats Pat Patterson for the ah, US title there.
3: Right, okay, well I proved uh, recently that I know, fuck all about California <laughs> <laughs> and the wrestling there. So I'm now interested to learn yeah. a lot more about California. So he returns to
2: the WWWF in 1977 and hooks back up with Tanaka. And basically, and now Freddie Blassie is the manager.
3: Ah, one of our new <laughs> old they, heroes. And
2: they win a tournament final over Zabisco and Gurria to get these to get the third title reign of the, th- the two of them. So three titles for the two of them together. They lose those belts. They leave the territory. Fuji basically tours from 79 to 80 when he goes through the territories. Him and Tanaka win some regional belts. And then he wins some individual belts. He's in places like the World Wrestling Council and... NWA, New Zealand, and Maple Leaf Wrestling over in Toronto. And he wins some minor titles in all these places. And then in 81, he returns to the WWF with Mr. Saito and Captain Lou Albano was their manager.
3: Okay, so we weren't it, too crazy. Yeah,
2: and they took out Rick Martel and Tony Guerrilla, and they get those what? belts back. <laughs>
3: oh, my God, that sounds like an AAWA
2: yeah,
3: match. Yeah. That's half of that stuff, and then anyway. And basically
2: they lose the belt to the Strongbows, they get it back from the Strongbows, and they lose it back to the Strongbows. Strongbows and they, so you know, that's
3: three belts in That's, that's
2: that. five WWF title reigns. The, the Georgia championship ring was a six, plus there's okay. a couple of other... Okay, I just minors. meant to
3: say <laughs> Mr. Saito with Mr. Fuji.
2: Definitely. Two different teams, let's say. So we got that part right. You know, they, he okay. was sort of a two-time, two different teams, but really a five-time... Forget about Booker <laughs> T. Mr. Fuji did it first five times,
3: five times. <laughs> oh, yeah. We haven't touched on uh, Mr. Fuji's reputation for ribs.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, only a tiny bit, but not on... Not really. aired yet,
4: right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like, I don't. Remember. Did we tell the one where um, this guy knew about Fuji's... Well, anyway... This guy knew about Fuji's reputation and they went on the road and he like couldn't sleep at ben night. He one. was yeah, the guy this this rookie or whatever was waiting for the boot to drop, waiting for Fuji to pull some rib and you know had a Entire anxiety, forty-eight hour of nail biting suspense, and then finally they go home, and and the the rookie, you know, never got ribbed, uh, pranked, or you know, no poo poo in the duffel bag, or you know, cut (laughs) up the whole anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so the the rumor goes that somebody asked Fuji about that, and Uh, Fuji says, "Best rib."
0: No Reb.
2: <laughs> That's right. I remember that one, yeah. <laughs> That's great.
4: <laughs>
2: so we've talked a lot about the different songs that came out, and one thing just to quickly note is that on Real American, the Rick Derringer song, there's an uncredited backup singing by Cindy Lauper.
3: Aha, rock and wrestling has its lingering.
2: And what I just accidentally stumbled upon, which has nothing to do with wrestling but it's funny, Cyndi Lauper is uncredited. Guess what TV show she sang in this, like, 80s kid show crazy uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's pretty
3: funny, eh? <laughs> Pee-wee did such a hilarious comeback special. Like, you know, I think it might be as old as 15 years now, but yeah, it yeah. was still, like, 20 years after. That's right, it was a long time after the fact. Yeah, fight. and yeah. it was really... he kind
2: of gotten past all the embarrassment yeah.
3: of the
4: public in shape, and he was back to being, you know, everyone yeah. again. <laughs> and it was
3: really charming, man. Yeah. And there was a live audience and a really nice theater, and yeah. it was a live stage show that they recorded, and man, I just kind of fell in love with Pee Wee Herman all over again. <laughs> and he had a bunch of characters from the Playhouse, you know.
2: So, I, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I went and checked it out because it was just kind of burning at me. We talked about Savage dropping two elbows on that chump in that debut match. And I thought to myself, well, other than you know, Ultimate Warrior, when did Savage ever drop more than one elbow drop? And then I kind of was like, oh, maybe he dropped two on Hogan. Maybe Hogan kicked out of two. But I went and just quickly looked at the end of the match, and it is just one elbow drop. And and Hogan, you know, does his Hulk up, boots and goes home. And I thought like, geez, you know, like I've always thought they could have done a better job of protecting Savage in that whole feud, especially after the feud. And one of the greatest things they could have done to Savage at that time, no one had ever, ever, ever kicked out of the boot and the leg drop. So they should have let, they should have let Savage kick out of the boot, out, and then let the match go on for, you know, another minute or two. And then Hogan somehow gets another win. Maybe gets another leg drop. Maybe he moves out of the way of an elbow drop, something. But had they done that... You could have elevated. You could have kept Savage at that top top tier level. Instead, they sort of like you know rocketed him downwards, and you know, which is the wrong thing to do with your talent. You know, protect your talent.
3: Right. Well, you know, I see what you're saying, and yet um Savage's trajectory is is it only goes up from here, really? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because he's going to have a long career in the WWF, yes. and you can't main event. You know, every time no. even Hogan finds himself, I, I would say, you know, sharing the main event at, at, you know, somewhere along the line. Yes. Um, Or, you know, stealing the thunder after stealing the main the event. <laughs> and there would be harsher words from some of the other podcasts I've listened to right. regarding Hogan's attitude. But uh, I'm referring to the time that uh, he he came in after Bret Hart lost a title to Yokozuno Yokozuna and then Hogan suddenly made it all about him sneaking in and suddenly he's got the belt and it was just really forced and I didn't like it. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was a decision that they made that just seemed wrong at the time as as a fan watching. I was like, why did they do that? Yeah. And, you know.
3: It was, it wasn't cool.
2: Okay, so just to touch on Terry Funk. So we were mentioning that, you know, he'd, he'd been and they've got a good chuckle out of uh, him being in Paradise Alley <laughs> and uh, doing some movies and stuff. And, you know, he had a pretty successful career outside of wrestling. Nothing too huge. We already mentioned Roadhouse, which I think is probably the biggest piece of business he did, which was
0: 1989. Come on down to the Roadhouse <laughs> and gutch glory <laughs> ram. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man, do I miss that commercial?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. See, I'm Elliot. I'm going to get in the ring. <laughs> Me and my best friend, Johnny Dungeon. <laughs> and we'll take the Dungeon to Doom task.
2: <laughs> so, the other the other movie of No, because he's in a few TV movies and some stuff, You know, not, nothing worth mentioning, but he is, him and Sloan hook back up because he's an over the top.
3: Aha, uh-huh, that's the wrestling one? That's
4: the arm wrestling. I, I meant, yeah, I forgot yeah, the yeah, word yeah, arm. Yeah. Okay, how get about it, at least it. I
3: can save face with that's Dolly Parton, right?
4: Uh, no. <laughs>
3: <sighs> I'll murder you. <laughs> <laughs> Dolly Parton? What? Uh, okay, well, so still, He's a truck driver trying to
2: get his kid, get, you, know, you know, trying to like, okay. get his kid back. And, uh,
3: Sylvester Stallone, I think, has a movie with Dolly Parton. Oh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so they're all just one big schmooze. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, okay.
2: Well, unless somebody can Over find some top. other corrections for us, we'll, uh, We'll leave it at that, and now it is time to roll out that show. So whether you're watching it on WWE Network or Peacock or you're on the internet and found another way to watch it, let's watch that show.
0: Legendary Wrestling!
2: Okay, let's get on to Saturday Night's main event Let's hear those NBC chimes.
1: Bobby Heenan! Bobby Heenan! What in the world are you doing? What am I doing? I'm practicing for the punkin dunk contest what is that is that uh davy crockett or is that the early weasel skin weasel skin this happens to be raccoon the finest raccoon with or without this hat i'm still the best well i'll tell you what you're gonna have to be at your best in your men king kong bundy and very good and big john stud are gonna have to be at their best when they meet hulk hogan and andre the giant in that all time dream tag team I'll explain something pal even you and your small little mind will be able to understand
0: here's hulk hogan and here's andre the giant yeah, you can just forget about what that weasel Bobby Heenan says. Everybody knows about Andre the Giant, how Bundy Stud broke the rules, and why they did it. Well, tonight's going to be a fair fight. I'm going to make sure of that, and I just can't wait to see Andre the Giant mop up the ring with those two. That's enough, Doc Hogan. Let's get some
2: <laughs> I don't know about you, but in that moment of watching Andre put his hands on Hogan, kind of gave me like a different feel of like something that could have been. And it kind of seemed like, obviously, they weren't going there. But it was almost like Andre intimidating Hogan.
3: Oh, Hogan looks spooked. Yo, for sure. And uh, it was very deliberate, especially with that exorcist theme in the background. Yeah, yeah. And Andre's out of frame. You can't really see him. And then just this huge hand comes in. It looks like it's (laughs) going to close around Hogan's throat. And Hogan looks
0: scared. And it just bumps on his chest. Hogan, let's go to the league.
2: Yeah, very directed and commanding and... Um, uh, you know, it made me think I've watched everyone's seen the clip of Andre pouring champagne on Hogan's head, you know, over and over and over. And I recently saw an extended clip, which I don't recall if I'd even seen before. It included things like, uh, Ivan Putzky and Rocky Johnson come into the scene with their own champagne and Andre's still there and they're pouring champagne on his head. But kind of a mid show, what if I kind of thought about it for a second? And of course, you know, it wasn't the plan, but what if... When Andre dumps that champagne on Hogan's head and blinds him, (laughs) what if he sneak attacks him, (laughs) you know, and Heenan shows up or whatever, right? Like, you know, obviously Heenan wasn't even in the WWF, but, you know, whatever heel manager shows up and like, that would have been such an amazing, like, you know.
3: A very short celebration party. That's
2: right. (laughs) There was the opportunity for this big, like, you know, this big backstab, you know, a few years before it actually, you know, before it actually happened. It's funny. Okay, so that takes us into the next part of the pre roll is Piper and, and uh Jesse.
3: Yes indeed. And uh Piper is dressed like Superman and they're just having a great time recalling Super them. Ruddy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the R. <laughs> mm-hmm on his glittery gold shield. And Piper is just, you know, can't stop laughing. They're having a great time recalling all the mockery and mirth that they got out of the hillbilly (laughs) wedding. And so they're, you know, recalling the actual gags. Two carp going after the same piece of corn in the Mississippi River. And they're just, yeah, having a great laugh. Of course, uh, Jesse has got his masquerade outfit on, which includes peacock feathers, so... Piper keeps grab, grabbing his imaginary shotgun, yeah. pumping it and <laughs> blowing up. Doing them the and, duck hunt yeah. thing.
2: Yeah, it's tough for Jesse because he's already he's always dressed so outlandishly. You know, like it's like how do you like have a costume when you're always in costume?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think McMahon burns him with that right off the top. <laughs> that's pretty great. And uh, as we um, there's heat building. They they're both in trouble with the hillbillies, and we'll find out just how much.
1: That's right. I must say that Roddy Roddy Piper's just too much, but with me at this time, two newcomers to Saturday night's main event. If I could interrupt your tobacco chewing Terry Funk, I'd like to talk to you and of course your manager, Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, gentlemen. Tonight's gonna be a showcase match for you with Junkyard Dog, it could lead to a title shot and Hulk Hogan, Terry Funk.
0: Mean Gene, it's just a matter of time until that heavyweight belt is around my waist, but that can wait, tonight I'm here to house train the Junkyard Dog. <laughs>
4: All
1: right, Jimmy Hart, your critics say that there's no place in professional wrestling for this man's branding <laughs> iron.
2: Hey, man, I don't have to answer him, but Terry will. I think he's got some he wants to right. say. All right, <laughs>
1: I thank you very much, gentlemen. I thank you.
2: <laughs> so I'm noticing this main event pre-roll is the closest thing to what we're used to, which is the quick uh, interviews by multiple different people. And then when it gets into the visuals of seeing these pre, you know pre-recorded stuff, it's really touching on like every segment. you know, you're getting a little piece of everybody. We get our first look on the Saturday Night's event, even just a frame of it, Macho Man, Tito, like there's new faces coming on here. you know we're getting Don Morocco. We're seeing people, Fuji, like, you know, who haven't been able to be a part of these previous episodes. And it kind of, like I said, it just kind of makes me feel like this episode is maybe the, you know, they've started to find their legs in term of, terms of the format of how they're going to open the show and how they're going to lay it all out.
3: Indeed. They're still cramming their second phase music intro- introduction, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not having it. I took great pains to line up the Exorcist theme. As soon as the Exorcist theme goes down... I'm turning up my animation. That's right. <laughs> and it's really great if I can get the uh, timing right so that Hogan's, you know, his whole head turned in the freeze frame. If I can get that right with that big, yeah. <laughs> I don't always, but sometimes I do. Yeah. And I get those chills like nice. I did at 12 years old. Yeah. So this is a uh,
2: Hershey, Pennsylvania it's uh, recorded on October 31st, and you can see the crowds right into it. There's lots of great costumes in the crowd, there's uh, the weird Hogan mask. There's a creepy looking, like, I think it's like a Planet of the Eight mask or something, but it kind of almost looks like, remember the animated Lord of the Rings cartoon, like the zombies, like the, uh, the orcs, pardon me, that sort of look like zombies. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that, that, that's what that mask remind me of. And then there's a guy, he's got the simplest costume of all. I heard you have a chuckle with it. He's just got the hot rod shirt on and he just kind of gives a little dismissive wave to the camera, you know?
3: Yeah. He's got the swagger.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's <laughs> a little bit of a build.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so I'm noticing. Oh, and of
3: course, the uh, taped wrists. You yes, n- you, you need Got to that. tape up the wrists.
2: That's right. So what I'm noticing with the look of this arena is, I don't think it's really as bright and as like sort of like lit up as like you know it doesn't have that. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, it, the production value maybe it looks like it's not quite up to snuff with those first two Star events, and that might have more to do with the arena itself than the you know what equipment they brought with them.
4: Oh, I hadn't noticed.
2: Yeah, there's almost like a darkness to it, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> and of course I love it. McMahon as he's rolling through each of the matches you're gonna see, he throws in one of the, the you know, the best known McMahonisms, which is notwithstanding, he you know, like he always finds a way to work that into like, you know, every fourth or fifth sentence. It's
3: he doesn't have a costume, I note.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. He's usually pretty uh, you that's know, right. on the ball to Did be we part mentioned- of
3: the fun the grand the great pumpkin mean Gino <laughs> That's
2: right uh, yeah from the bobbing bobbing apples there with the Heenan and the chocolate sauce <laughs> Well isn't that the first I mean, thing we see That is, is that's the opening I mean, yeah 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 the first shot is yeah in him heen smashing great the pumpkin Char- Well
3: yeah yeah that's how that uh, you know I was going to say it's the great pumpkin charlie brown
2: <laughs> Nice <laughs> So once we get through all that you know we one thing I got to notice here and I I looked it up there was an important dark match and I got to think this must have confused the hell out of the crowd. Guess what the dark match was?
3: Give me a clue. Tag well, <laughs> team? Singles? Yeah, ta- six-man tag. Six-man tag. Okay. The uh, US Express? No. Um, let's People see. we see on the show. People we see on the show? Yep. Oh, man. Well, now you're make me think like I really got to get this right, otherwise I'm an <laughs> idiot. Okay. Well, let's see. Um... Who have we got? Well, we've got Stutt and Bundy. We've got um, Terry Funk. Okay, I'm going to guess Junkyard Dog's in there in the six-man tag. No. Oh, geez. All right, just tell me. Okay. It makes no sense, but
2: the Hillbillies fight Roddy Piper and Bob Orton and Jesse Ventura in a dark match before the show starts.
3: Weird. Totally. I mean, that's totally what they're building to.
2: Exactly. They're building up to a match, but they actually have the match you know, they have a match, you know, not the match, but a yeah, match. That's, I was really confused when I saw that. I was like, Whoa, what, like, you know, what was odd. the purpose of it? You know, like, why wouldn't yeah. they put something else on there? Strange. So we get, uh, they, they get set up for the first match. So we're gonna have the Junkyard Dog versus Terry Funk and Mean Jeans with Funk. And they show an uh, footage of Terry Funk beating up this poor ring attendant. I don't know if you saw that footage, but it's this, you know, poor skinny guy and, uh, I think because Funk has so much stuff, he he kind of runs out of hand. So he takes the the poncho, he takes the he might even have the branding iron, and he ends up putting Terry Funk's hat on because he's like he doesn't have anywhere else to carry it. And Terry Funk sees him wearing the hat and just beats the crap out of this guy. Flips him <laughs> into the ring and is just pounding <laughs> on him. And if, of note in the footage, there's actually a female referee, which was something I don't remember too much of back in those days. Uh, much more common now. And, yeah, he kicks the crap out of this guy. And they come back to Mean Gene and hit him and everything. And Mean Gene's like, what about it, Jimmy Hart? And all, you know, with all this stuff. And Jimmy's so funny. He's like, no, no, it's a special effects, television tricks. That didn't happen. He's just, he's trying to talk his way out of this. It's so good. <laughs> he's just yes. trying to make us look bad. So, good yeah. stuff. And then, of course, they got the footage of uh, the branding. So the match we talked about in the first half with Funk getting getting to brand the dog. So setting up this match. We get the entrances, and Junkyard Dog comes out to the muddled, grab-them-cakes, but but as he's getting in the ring, the music, the fake music stops, and you can catch a little bit of the real music. You can hear... Uh, Queen. Yeah. Okay. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, you hear a little bit of it as he's getting in the ring. Yeah.
3: Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Take that, you soulless... Corporate profit grubbing no goods.
2: <laughs> so f- so Funk is doing what he's great at doing, which is he's on the apron yapping at a fan, <laughs> not paying attention. So dog comes up from behind and gets the the sneak attack and flips him into the ring, and that's pretty hilarious. And like that's when he, he's beating him up, as you can still hear the music. That's you know you always. Lo- I think people know by now. It's like I love it when the music's still playing when the fightings happen.
3: <laughs> Gold. Yeah. Very exciting beginning, and uh, the match, yeah, starts with all that energy.
2: So, yeah, so so Dog immediately goes outside of the ring after Jimmy Hart. He's like, he he wants revenge on Jimmy Hart for his part in that dastardly attack. So... Terry Funk, for some reason, to defend Jimmy Hart, he goes over to the ropes, and he starts, like, reaching over the ropes, but he kind of, like, has to straddle the ropes to, like, be able to reach over, so he swings one of his legs over the top rope, and (laughs) Junkyard Dog quickly turns this into, like, you know, wishboning him on, like, the ropes, springing him up and down on his crotch, and Terry Funk's just doing an amazing job of selling, being, like, flung all over the place. It's pretty hilarious.
3: The nards.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, so then... Jimmy scoots, that's the other thing, as soon as they get, like, they leave the camera frame, you see Jimmy Hart scoot out from underneath the ring, like, he was hiding underneath the ring during this whole time, and the camera just catches this perfect, like, look of him coming out, it's really funny. So, later the dog slams, uh, Terry Funk, and then again, but on the second one, he just dumps him over the top rope. Like, like, you know, there's a moment where, like, Terry Funk grabs the top rope to sort sort of, like, stabilize himself, but nope, Dog just, like, pitches him over the top all the way to the outside, and as we've noted, this is the era where there aren't any mats, so, like, taking a spill from the, you know, from the inside to the outside is, like, a, you know, pretty serious thing. (laughs) <laughs> so once he hits the ground, Funk is so out of it that he's, like, wrestling with Jimmy Hart. He thinks Jimmy Hart is, like, junkyard <laughs> dog. Yeah. And he ends up on top of him, and he's about to punch him. <laughs> yeah, I love
3: that bit. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so,
2: so just scrappy. Yeah, he's just oh, awesome-selling. And, uh, and, like, you know, JYD does his little ground headbutts at one point, and, like, same thing. Like, Funk just knows how to, like, make those look like they're so devastating and just so great. So... Again, J.Y.D. just can't keep his focus on Funk, though. You know, he starts chasing Jimmy Hart outside. And um, Funk comes out this time to get to rescue him, and he charges a dog. But he gets back body dropped on the cement. Like, he just, you know, Funk just can't catch a break in this match. He's kind of like, you know, he's just taking a beating. So finally, when he does get the advantage, he gets a sleeper. But soon after that, uh, the dog's out, and he whips Funk off the ropes, and now he's got the sleeper. So there's like, you know, two sleeper holds within a very short period of time. And, uh, Amazing
3: how exciting a move called The Sleeper can be. That's convenient. right.
2: <laughs> so Hart ends up on the apron, and Dog flips him in, and he just takes a rough landing on his head. I don't know if you saw that part, but when he when, when Dog flips Jimmy Hart in, he, he looks like he lands, like, pretty... It's a pretty rough landing for him. Poor guy. Yeah. And the ref's pretty awkwardly positioned for this, but... um, Because Jimmy Hart's trying to get back out of the ring, and Dog, Dog's bending over, fighting with him. And the whole point of Jimmy Hart being flipped in was so that he could leave his megaphone, you know, in the ring. Of course. And so Terry Funk picks up that megaphone, and he comes in and gives Dog a big shot to the back of the head. But, like, it's a really awkward thing because the ref's, like, kind of right there and doing his best to try to pretend like he's only looking outside the ring. But, I mean, it's kind of impossible that he wouldn't see it as peripheral, like, you know, this, Oopsie. this megaphone shot. So, yeah, hits him, with the, hits him with the megaphone, and bang, one, two, three. Gets a pin. Gets a win on Saturday night's main event.
3: Well, you knew that was going to happen as soon as Mean Gene says, Al win tonight's going to lead to a title shot against Hulk Hogan. Yeah, so, that's right. I'm afraid they mentioned say, it
2: in commentary. Yeah. And they brought it up. And the story I've heard about this, and this is kind of interesting because I don't remember hearing this otherwise, but one of the main reasons that McMahon, as he was planning out his televised Hogan matches that he brought Funk in was because apparently some of the people he wanted to do the job... Uh, kind of weren't interested in losing on national TV to Hogan, which I don't recall there being any shortage of other people lining up later to do so. But uh, but yeah, so Terry Funk was more than happy to come in and you know get paid a lot of money and get a get an LJN toy figure and all that money and all that stuff. And but it's kind of interesting that like you know had other people been more eager, maybe maybe McMahon doesn't go looking, doesn't go knocking on his door.
3: Well, for all we know, Terry Funk is going to win the title from Hulk Hogan It That's remains right. to be seen in three months <laughs> in the next episode on Saturday Night's Man event. That's right. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So, after the match, of course, Dog's got to, you know, get a little bit of retribution here. So, he nails Funk with the iron. He gets the, he gets the branding iron and he nails Funk with it, kind of takes him out. And uh, Hart ends up being the one left behind. And yeah. So, there's like a tug of war. Funk's trying to pull Jimmy Hart out and JYD's pulling him in so the pants come off. So now we've got you know Jimmy Hart in his underwear, which they always would put him in some ridiculous red, like, you know, hearts on it or something like yep. that. Underwear. And uh and then yeah, J.Y.D., you know, puts his foot on Jimmy Hart's back as he's squirming around and uh Brandon, brand he, you know, Yep. Lays that Revenge. completely cold, not hot branding iron on I, his butt.
3: I think they put baby powder on it so that it leaves a big white mark on yeah. the back of his red gitch so that <laughs> you can really tell he has been, you know, marked.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So, JYD, you know, takes a loss on a Saturday event. Not something you would see very often, him getting pinned. Um, obviously, as we've talked a little bit about, he didn't really have the most successful in terms of, like, results. You know, as even though he was positioned so high on the card.
3: I know. And after beating, you know, Pete Doherty, you know, I mean, <laughs> the guy was on a meteoric rise. That's right. It
2: was, there was nothing, there was nothing, nothing he couldn't do.
3: That's right. <laughs> couldn't believe it.
2: So it's the Halloween segment and we're going to move backstage to a pie eating contest. And so what we see is it's Captain Lou Obano. He's the captain of the good guy team versus Bobby Heaton's team which has all these different heels. And uh, this is where we kind of get our first look at a bunch of these costumes. So we've got uh, the three hillbillies are dressed up as the three musketeers.
3: Yeah, not too convincing because they look like a bit like Jesse Ventura They're, exactly they got it's these, a bit confusing yeah yeah they've got more poofy hats and masks and uh, they don't feathers and, yeah and like since when do the musketeers wear masks actually yeah where,
2: where's their fleur de leaf like sort of you know cloak yeah. or whatever and like you know
3: they just had floppy hats but the, the three musketeers weren't like Zorro wore a mask he was a yeah, masked exactly, swordsman yeah. not yeah. the musketeers
4: yeah and sure. also
3: they didn't even have any cool swords I had a cooler sword my fucking Zorro costume had a little plastic. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my my sword was the fencing style. You know yeah, like a yeah. cup and stick. Like yeah. a Zorro, a pokey one. Not That's like right. a not a braveheart sword. That's but, right. You know, called a uh, an epee, or uh, yeah. It's a French style for fencing.
2: <laughs> so mean jeans in the middle there, like you said, he's dressed as a pumpkin and uh Beside him is Hogan. Hogan's, the great
3: pumpkin Charlie great Brown. Pumpkin,
2: thank you very much. So yeah, Hogan's dressed up. He looks like sort of like a Roman he could soldier be anybody. or something. But, but mean Gene refers to him as Hercules. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> which good thing Hernandez isn't around yet, yeah, otherwise ooh, he might be kind of jealous. Exactly. And then as you mentioned, Tito is there I, as Zoro. The
3: other thing is that like Hercules would be better suited to have like a lion skin, which is actually part of his yeah. myth. Yeah. Uh, than just like what amounts to uh, a Roman breastplate, you know. Yeah,
2: exactly. So, yeah, again, Tito Zorro, uh Captain Lou sort of like, I don't know, a Roman senator. Mean Gene makes some sort of reference to him having lineage to Caesar or something like that. And uh, you're supposed to laugh at that. And then the, the and then the comedy gold. These guys aren't even on the show, but they get to be on the show. we got Sheiky Baby dressed up as Batman.
3: Oh, I love it. <laughs> And Nikolai Volkov.
2: And Nikolai Volkov and as Robin. Robin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. And the same thing as Piper. They they do the different letter, you know. So yeah. instead of a B, it's an S, and instead of an R, it's a it's a it, is it a V? I think or. a or maybe it's an N or whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> but Volkov
3: you know this huge man yeah. <laughs> as the boy wonder and you know oh god I, I love it cheeky she, Batman. She, she is Batman cheeky is Batman
2: like he looks like 15 years older than he looks there like it just for whatever reason that costume makes him look really old so he looks really funny and so then you got Bundy and he's gonna be the one competing against Lou Bano in the Paiating Contest and he's dressed up as Abe Lincoln so he's got this ridiculous beard and the tall hat and he's got a, a cape on but he's, I, otherwise he's in his wrestling I, gear well, yeah. oh yeah
3: like super Abe like, you know. <laughs>
2: so then, Heenan. Of course, we saw earlier he's kind of dressed up like Davy Crockett, but they've gone out of their way to make the raccoon skin hat be like a weasel hat, and even even Heenan himself. Oh, what am I rac? He, he says weasel by accident instead of saying raccoon, so they just play up that joke that's been going on since the AWA.
3: Mm-hmm. It's a bit forced <laughs> in this case, but you know they yeah. go for it.
2: And then we get a nice look at uh, Macho Man Randy Savage in his Tarzan outfit and. Uh, the
3: lovely Elizabeth as Jane. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she uh looks so sexy. Somehow she still kind of keeps it classy. Maybe it's just the way that, you know, she uh carries herself and the way yeah. that, the look on her face she yet. Uh, but anyway, yeah, there they are in their Tarzan and Jane outfit and uh <laughs> and uh wow, she um whoo, she's smoking hot.
2: So they got the the pie eating contest starts up, and it's a bunch of cheering, and it looks like these kind of pies that are like 98% whipped cream.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: And it's hard to tell what's going on, but, you know, Bundy and Lou Abano are just like stuffing stuff in their faces. Gross. And, yeah, and there's just stuff all over the place. and
3: Especially with that
0: fake beard. Yeah, yeah just it's like, getting all in the Ugh. beard and stuff
2: like that, yeah. And somehow right near the end, when it seems like it's very even, all of a sudden at one point there's like a camera at it, I think, and then like Lou bano has got like all these Pie trays stacked up in front of him, And I think at one point he even reaches across to starts eating Bundy's pies. <laughs> yes,
3: yeah, so the good guys take home the first event of that's the right, Halloween yeah. party games.
2: Yeah, they get the they get the win. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
3: did we cover every heel? We got uh, Nikolai and Volkov, we got yeah. Bundy, but there's more bad guys to be But de- I don't de- think
2: they're in that scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Like okay. that's everybody I, I, and I wrote down everybody that was there, oh, okay. yeah. And Heenan, yeah. Yeah, so that. I was guess the they surprise.
3: just take up a lot of space.
2: Yeah, yeah, they do. So that was, that's that segment, and that's gonna bring us. Oh to yeah, and
3: Savage and Elizabeth. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Duh. Duh.
2: So yeah, so that's gonna take us out back out to the ring. We're gonna see an in-ring Piper's Pit. Hey, the winner,
1: Captain Noel Battle. Captain Noel Battle, the winner. King Kong Bundy, uh, you came I on on a I of... it. What up. do you I mean you're Hey! Don't 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 win. Win. Captain, what do you think? Yeah. Give me another piece of pie, Gene! All right, stay tuned. Right. Roddy, Roddy, Piper is fit. And more so, action so, coming up so, here on Saturday night's Night Spain.
3: So now we have the continuing storyline of uh, Roddy Piper and Versus the Hillbillies. <laughs> Piper and Pals versus the Hill. And in this case, Jesse Ventura is one of the pals, which is great for us because Corey and I love to see Jesse Ventura wrestle in the AWA. And uh, this really, to me, I think is going to be the pretty much the only Jesse love that we get. But uh, I don't want to be too much of a spoiler, but what I'm saying is that It took us back to old times to see uh, Jesse, the body, Ventura, uh, (laughs) mix it up. And uh, Corey mentioned already that uh, in in a very bizarre move, they wrestled the dark match. Yeah, and
2: the Hillbillies won. Yeah,
3: I wish we could see that. didn't even
2: mention that before, but yeah, the Hillbillies won. Crazy. What? What?
3: Yeah strange well the tv audience is not meant to be in that headspace yeah
2: i mean when back especially back then or in the late 80s early 90s when they would tape this stuff they would sometimes tape segments over and over again and mm. i was at a live you know WWF taping where I saw like, let's say Bossman and Nails have like six different encounters in like a you know four hour four hours of taping because I guess they didn't get what they wanted or needed so he just they kept having boss man come out and squash guys and Nails kept coming out and attacking them.
3: <laughs> I'm aware of a time that McMahon sent Randy Savage and Bad News Brown out to wrestle again because he was so pissed off with their performance. Right, Macho Man was world champion and he just wow. told him, go do it again. I mean. Can you imagine the embarrassment
2: the, and the confusion for the crowd? Of like, yeah. oh, why are we saying this? You know, yeah,
3: crazy. So um, before we send it to Piper, it's McMahon who's setting up. You know, the uh, he's actually what he's mostly doing is he's stoking the fire, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's it's a bit forced, um, but never mind. So he reminds us that last episode uh, of Saturday Night's main event, Uncle Elmer got married. And it was a legit wedding, but um, Piper came in and played his character to perfection and threw a bunch of insults. And Jesse Ventura got involved as the commentator. He was insulting and basically um, they quoted these uh, insults like (laughs) twice already by the time we get here. So they're hammering us pretty hard over the head. Anyway, so the the set, as it were, is uh, a large plaid carpet or whatever area rug uh, in the middle of the ring and then there are the hillbillies sitting on a bench and junior's (laughs) cleaning his toes. And the other guys are got their arms folded, looking stern because you know, as McMahon says, they're here to confront rowdy, rowdy about
2: they're they're pissed off and they're not going to take it.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's right. And, um, Anyway, so Piper does his bit, and he's awesome. As as this is the best Piper going, uh, this this mid eighties stuff, and uh, he makes some great jokes about the wedding night. You know, <laughs> they know Uncle Elmer can't say too much, so that they all he says, "None of your business," and that's about all he says. But Piper gets a great crack in there about, uh, "I want to recommend some family planning," you know, for her, maybe <laughs> they've had a bunch of goes at uh, some adult humor because yeah, right. this is a ten thirty on Saturday evening. Yeah, that's right. We won't necessarily see these jokes on Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) um, Anyway, it doesn't really get that lewd, but it's risque. Um, So uh, what they get to is that the heels are throwing each other under the bus. Um, Jesse's already said to McMahon, like, hey, Piper said that. That wasn't me. I was just doing my job. Piper's the one. I agree with him. Sure, you know. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you can see Jesse blaming Piper. And then now that Piper's in the ring, um, eventually the hillbillies stand up and, you know, I, yeah, <laughs>
2: hey, sorry if if you didn't already say it. Yeah, they both at different times on different properties, getting to this moment, they both blame each other. Like Jesse and Roddy are both blaming each other yeah. for like what they said, what was said.
3: Which is really funny because during the promos, <laughs> they're like
0: two drunken buddies. <laughs> like oh, I love it, Piper. You were the funniest thing. They like,
3: go, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Ventura, what you said about that tomb? They were quoting each other and slapping yeah. each other on the back, and now like total cowards are just throwing each other under the bus completely. So eventually. Um, Piper gets, you know, kind of out muscled, at least as far as like the standoff. Because when Elmer stands up and Hillbilly stands up, yeah. they don't even need lame ass <laughs> bumpkin Junior to stand up. Because you know, uh, Hillbilly's got that famous triangle shape, these massive shoulders, and he just yeah. he's got such a good look. And then Elmer is almost as big as Stud. I like we talked yeah, about the details. Yeah, Giant. he's
2: just he's as tall as he is, and he's heavier, so yeah. he's like yeah.
3: So Piper really looks like he's in trouble. <laughs> and then they got the toe cleaning Hillbilly on this, you know, as well. So he's like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. It wasn't me. It was was Jesse Ventura. And uh, he's (laughs) close by and he points out Ventura. Then instead of being a coward... Uh, Jesse takes off his jacket and oh, we get to that, see his that, guns. That
2: moment where he stood up and I was yeah. like, yeah! He's like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not yeah.
0: backing down from anybody, Jack. Yeah, and he's he,
2: not playing a coward. He's playing like a tough guy.
3: It was pretty great. Like, great. they go from blaming each other to, like, he goes gets in the ring and Piper's like, you guys, we wanted to talk but you. You look like you want to fight. Why, you want to fight? Okay, and so they're setting up, you know, a yeah. fight. So it's a great bit. Basically, what uh, happens is like, no, no, we'll just talk. Take it easy. That's Pipers, right? You know, I'll just like, calm down, calm down. What they do is, uh, he's he's still insulting them. Yeah. And, and then you see Cowboy Bob Orton sneaky, sneakily, sneaky. yeah, he gets behind Junior and does the whole sort of schoolyard push where yeah, one guy, boy. yeah, a schoolboy push, one guy gets on his hands and knees unseen and all you got to do is give somebody a little push and they're, you know, they've got no chance because they're, right. they're the leverage is all against them. So <laughs> Piper just gives him this little play push and he's laughing. It's more like bullying than an, a full out attack.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Like it is, he, he attacks him by pushing him, but it doesn't, it's not like an instant As a punch in the face. Yeah.
3: But Hillbilly Jim (laughs) seals the deal (laughs) and then clobbers Ace Bob (laughs) Cowboy Bob Orton with a fist. And uh, Piper, you know, ducks the next swing from Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. And now jesse's in there alone That's so it's right. elmer Getting cornered by Elmer, <laughs> Hill, hillbilly so it's a pretty good look hillbilly yeah, yeah. I and mean, jim and uncle elmer like they look scary they, yeah, yeah. they're almost comparable to Bundy instead i would have liked to have seen that just because yeah. of the size of these guys that would have been a great match yeah
4: yeah yeah
3: um unfortunately we didn't i don't well you know i i don't want to i i prefer to let the mystery be i'm gonna stop yeah, yeah. saying we don't get to see this and this doesn't happen i'm gonna try to like leave things open yeah, yeah, it's almost
2: guaranteed on the house show it would have happened. Exactly. Whether, whether we found a video of it or not is yeah. A thing. So
3: anyway, that's a, a better attitude. So perhaps there is a awesome match somewhere of the 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 best the good hillbillies. <laughs> 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 None of this Buddy Roberts hillbilly and <laughs> <laughs> ah, poor Buddy Roberts. Roberts. So then uh, they get Jesse's hat. That's That's right. And they squash it, and <laughs> so he loses his dignity. But you can see that uh, I mean, there are three heels and uh, three faces, so we're setting up a six-man tag, which already happened earlier that night. But you yeah, know, it hasn't happened on TV, so they're basically um, building heat for this to happen. Right, and probably. the great
2: thing is, like, well, Hillbilly Jim and Elmer are distracted with Jesse, you know. Orton and Piper get a nice, great shot in on uh, on Cousin there. They yeah. like nail him with the cast Good. from behind. The, and it. so they don't even realize, the big men don't even realize their little buddies all beat up behind them. I <laughs> <laughs> love it.
3: And you do catch uh, the Mike's hot for Hillbilly Jim. He's like, oh, son of a bitches. Yeah. Maybe that's why his career was cut short.
2: <laughs> Maybe.
3: <laughs> Good segment.
2: Yeah, it's pretty funny.
3: So the Halloween games continue with Captain Bobby Heenan and he's got his uh, <laughs> Davy Crockett outfit and his weasel yeah. slash raccoon hat. <laughs> and uh, it's him versus, uh, it's Bobby Heenan versus Junior. And what That's they right. have is a big vat full of, I guess, Hershey's chocolate syrup. And there are these <laughs> um, fist size or a little bigger, maybe Andre fist size uh, pumpkins. They're small enough that you can bite. So like a grapefruit. Um, bobbing in them and what you have is Macho Man who's there to hold the bag for the pumpkins to collect them and Elizabeth cheering them on uh, on one side and on Bobby Heenan's team so it's Heenan Macho Man Elizabeth versus you got Jyd dressed as a mummy, an Egyptian mummy, mummy, and uh, I think, uh, well, I know that Junior comes in. He's only holding his little silly mask, so he's not. Yeah, in yeah. But he's it, just come it, from the. Uh, they're
2: trying to make it look like he's coming from uh, yeah. yeah his his, his segment.
3: Mm-hmm. And is Tito cheering him on in this in the background? You know,
2: this part I'm getting fuzzy on. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Right. Who's well, there. I know the
3: junkyard dogs there because yeah, he speaks. Yes. But like. Yeah no TV for Tito. (laughs) So like, Uh, if he's around, he's quiet and he's in the background. (laughs) So, uh, you know, Junkyard Dog talks a little bit, but, um, it's pretty brief. Um, Gene... is the referee as it goes, and they're one <laughs> team's on the left and the other team's on the right, so he can't keep his eye on both sides. So yeah, yeah, the heels start cheating pretty quickly. Yes, and then Macho Man's like he's cheating, so yeah, <laughs> and they get away. Like <laughs> the score, they collect seven pumpkins. I think the heel team and the face team only gets four. So yeah. this is a win. The pie eating contest went to the good guys, and now the pumpkin dunk yeah goes it's to the like bad guys. At
2: the beginning, Keenan's outpacing. Uh, cousin initially on his own, but then at some point he decides to just start like grabbing them with his hand. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: And they you know? cut back and forth and edit it anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but damn, this Elizabeth, Elizabeth yeah. looks so sexy as Jane. <laughs> and, wow. Uh,
2: Savage is getting covered in that chocolate sauce too, holding the bag. He's like, yeah. you know,
3: <laughs> messy section.
2: Yep. Okay. So we're getting to the main event and <laughs> I always found it funny that like right off the bat and they say it several times in this episode. They're like, the dream team. And I'm like, yeah, you're tag team champions. (laughs) The dream team. Oh, no, wait a minute. Is that Hogan and Andre or Bundy and Stud? And it's like.
3: Poor choice of words in this case.
2: (laughs) So, jeans with the Heenan family. And again, like you know, like I said, he's the one referring to. Uh, they're like questioning this dream team thing. Like they're not the dream team; we're the dream team, almost like that. In, Three in, dream in teams.
0: Sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> the dream yeah, card.
2: And Gene's bugging Bobby Heenan about his weasel hat, of course, which is you know pretty pretty funny. Yeah, like, every you
3: know. I, this whole show was peppered with the Halloween costumes. You got to remember, but now Bundy's. <laughs> I don't think he's. He's. They're all wrestling gear except for, or, or I guess this bit only Heenan's... is uh... Is he, did you say he's got his weasel hat on or is he now dressed He's making in like, reference
2: to it. I'm, I, I think in the interview he does not have his costume yeah, on. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. got his usually some sequined jacket. He's got that black sort of look with the, yeah, the, the, the fake, fake stones or whatever.
3: He always had such a subtle glitz.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah. So it's a short interview and they head to the ring. And now we're back with Gene with the good guys. And he starts out by asking Albano about, you know, what about that pie-eating contest? And, you know, Lou Albano makes a great contribution to the show by just burping. (laughs) That's all you get out of him.
3: Summer
0: rental.
2: (laughs) Yeah. and So then... uh, I think I think it's Hogan that refers to like Andre as the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth wonder of the world. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. It's uh,
3: pretty impressive to see them standing there. Yeah,
2: it is, and it's like I mean, it is this moment. I don't I don't know sight. if you could say that there's another, you know, just because it's Hogan and Andre. You know, we can look forward and try and find other super tag team things that happen in the future. But I don't know. This is kind of this it's, is kind this of it. This is
3: like the Beatles and Rolling Stones together right. in one, <laughs> which uh, kind of almost happened in one. Anyway. Yeah, yeah was and
2: again, episode. Hogan's you know Hogan's getting revved up for his promo, but Andre's not having any of it. But this time, he's a little bit more smiley about it. But he yeah. you know grabs Hogan by the chest again, and he's like, "All right, enough talking. Let's get to the ring."
3: <laughs> right, and then Mean Gene says, "That's a couple more words," and Andre yeah. stops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 the irresistible Gene Okerlund.
2: So we get this great look of these two men walking to the ring together. You know, like that's just so awesome. The entrance of of Hogan and Andre, dubbed in real American. It would have been really nice to watch. Andre walked to the ring under the eye of the tiger. That would have been great. <laughs> but they get in the ring and, you know, studden and Bundy are kind of threatening them as they're trying to get in the ring. And Hogan, of course, he loves, what he loves to do is he likes to point at his partner and <laughs> tell you how much trouble you're in because look, yeah. look what I got.
3: I'm telling you, that's Dusty. He's doing Dusty. You can see it. <laughs> that was his favorite wrestler as a high school and he used yeah. to do impersonations, Hogan. So I think yeah. he's, I think maybe he, there's less of it later. Yeah, but that's right. I think, oh yeah, I, 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 think, feel like yeah, I he definitely it gets here. away from it a bit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So again Hogan's using doing this all white look, the Made in America shirt and like, you know, and I really like it. I mean, it's not like, you know, I and I like the fact that he, you know, we've sort of almost seen this all white thing for in several of these matches, but we've also seen other looks and I, that's like what I liked. Mr. I like when he rotated it.
3: A guy named uh Mr. Wrestling, he always played a face. Right. And he always wanted a white mask and white trunks. Oh, okay. I think there were more than one
2: Have to be, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
3: exactly. But possibly a guy named Tim Woods, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, never made it to any of the you know, so this is just actually stuff I read and years later,
4: yeah, yeah.
3: It wasn't a very big guy, but always wore white, and that was important to him as a good guy. Scientific wrestling and wearing white, and I, I think he didn't like to throw punches,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So the match starts off and they decide to go with Hogan and Bundy starting together. And I think the reason that's a little bit important is because there's been a bit more exposure of Stud versus Hogan and Stud versus Andre and Bundy versus Andre. But it seems like maybe this is a bit unique for a TV audience for Bundy versus Hogan. So the crowd really fires up when they realize those are the two they're going to start. And, you know, they exchange some punches, but it quickly gets into the you know test of strength, the immovable force, you know, so Hogan bounces off of Bundy. And Bundy like you know challenges him to do it again, and Hogan does something great, which is he bounces off the ropes, and instead of challenging the shoulder tackle again, he just goes right to the the high knee. Nice. And he's like, yeah, he knocks Bundy down. It's a great yeah. high knee. Yeah. Oh. You know, Harley Race had a great high knee. Brutus Beefcake had a great high yeah. knee. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, sure and, did. Hogan, and
2: Hogan did it really well
3: Hogan, uh, Savage had a great knee from behind that's right <laughs> <laughs> knock you out the ring he, that's what he did to Hogan in the spectrum yeah yeah, like after Hogan won he used yeah. that, good, that beautiful high knee right between the shoulder blades knock him out of the ring and yeah. then they're on the floor then he climbs then he climbs ropes that's right
2: yeah so early in the match like right after that happens like Hogan goes for the slam and he kind of almost carries him around for a bit, but he's close to the ropes and ends up not getting it. And he kind of turns sideways as he puts him back down. And Jesse's like, ah, look at that. He's hurt his back, you know? So they're trying to play up the idea that Hogan's hurt, but it doesn't last long. Bundy gets a few shots on him, but quickly Hogan regains the advantage and he gets him into the corner and tags Andre. And it's so great because, like, Bundy goes to the back away. And then Hogan just slaps him in the face. It's, like, really comical. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> and in comes super joker Bun- uh, Andre. <laughs> he gets those straps. And it looks like Bundy's head's just going to pop off his body, you know? <laughs> like he's It just...
3: doesn't, like, uh, Bundy go for the collar and elbow. And before, <laughs> the before, you know, instead just, like, urgh, this, like, oh. super long arm comes in the frame and, like, just grabs him by the neck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So yeah. So in comes Andre and uh, yeah, he's just choking him. And then they get Hogan back in off the second rope. He comes in off the, like, this elbow, like the you know, forearm smash or whatever. It looks really good. But his momentum carries him all the way across the ring. So Stud's able to grab Hogan. And, like, you know, basically that's how they get this double team going, and now, now Hogan's in trouble. Like, you know, it's funny. It's like he just landed an off-the-second off the rope move. you think that'd be a big deal, but nope. Oops. <laughs> like, it, immediately he's, like, he's, he's taken down.
3: So much muscle and momentum.
2: Yeah, so Stud comes in and, you know, is beating up on him a bit, and then there's this weird flub where there's supposed to be some sort of a reversal, but they screw it up, and then they screw up the thing after the screw-up. So, like, I don't know if it was supposed to be a duck under or what, but Hogan essentially ends up kind of, like, colliding with Stud awkwardly, and then he tries to go for an atomic drop. But it's almost like he falls down as he's trying to give him the atomic drop, so it looks really awkward and weird, and, you know, luckily Hogan didn't hurt his leg because it almost looks like his leg collapses underneath Stud, and it's, uh, it's it's not smooth at all. So then, yeah, they tag Andre and he comes in with these big chops into the, and then they're in the corner. And then accidentally, Andre goes back to hit hit uh, stud and he just pops the ref right in the face. <laughs> and the ref is dead. <laughs> like, you know, he's just laid out. Ouch. And that's oh, suddenly, so right away, all four wrestlers are in the ring, you know, big smudge. And uh, they, they, they knock the heels outside. And there's a new ref in. And then McMahon says they're going to a break. And when we come back... Andre's got Stud in a, in a bear hug and for some reason isn't disqualified.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, maybe another botch. I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah. like It seemed like they meant to do the spot, but I mean, like, you know, it's like, oh, what? any other time a well, guy yeah, punches you, a ref, like, you, you know. You
3: probably are there backstage and like, you know, McMahon's like, ah, chase God, you know, keep it going. <laughs> and uh, they just never really uh, fixed it in post, you know.
2: Yeah. So there's a stretch here where just Stud takes a really bad beating from him and hogan and after andre's just beating on him and smacking him around hogan comes in and does like this really big clothesline and on you know studs looking really like worn down and they get andre back in and he does his big boot and you always wonder every time he does the big boot it's like is, is andre going down because <laughs> he's like so unstable when he lifts his leg up you're like you know and he's as big as he is he has a hard time raising that leg up especially on a man like stud so he's kind of like kicking him in the stomach or something like that but um so yeah he gets him with his boot and and that makes stud roll out of the ring. So Andre goes to like pursue him. And he climb he go, he goes over the top rope to the apron, facing the outside, and Bundy decides to come in and sneak attack him and gives him a shot. And then Andre does what he's best at, which is he gets himself tied up in the ropes.
3: <laughs> yeah, this <is> perfect. Like <laughs> it's uh it, it really sells well. It looks like he's caught up in the ropes, yeah. but uh, you know, it's um also characteristic. And lately, we and it's not very exciting, but uh, you know there he is in the Jesus Christ pose. You know.
2: Yeah, and the difference here is he's he's hanging outside the ring. He's not he's not in the ring, sitting down or something. You know. Yeah, well that's
3: the other variation. You know, yes, with his butt on the, uh, on the apron.
2: Yeah, with this and it's so yeah, so Hogan comes in and starts attacking Bundy, but at this point Stud comes back and he grabs Hogan's legs from the outside and trips him and then holds the legs and not long after that, boom. King Kong, boom, boom, Bundy, lays the splash down on Hogan, and the, the, the heroes look like they're really in trouble because, like, Andre can't get out of the ropes, it seems. And I'm not sure why they didn't just keep splashing Hogan over and over again, but they decide from the splash to, like, double-team Andre. And the stud is really going to town on him. They're really playing up that he's attacking the sternum. This is this whole injury going back to the summer. So he's, he's on the inside of the ring doing these forearm shots on Andre's chest. He's beating on him heavy. And then Hogan does the hoof, hoof. He gets up and he's over in the corner and he, you know, he's awake enough and he's hulking up in the corner. So he comes over and he, you know, charges in and attacks them. And at this point, Andre has gotten himself loose and he's back in the ring. And not long after the, you know, the heels are on the floor and getting ready to escape. And uh, they're, you know, the Vince and Jesse are super excited and they're off to uh, they're off to commercial. And when they come back, we got Mean Gene in the ring with Hogan and Andre. And Andre really does most of the talking and he just like. He wants, you know, he wants revenge. He wants, come back, I won, I'm not having enough. You know, like he really (laughs) wants to fight.
3: (laughs) Yeah, his accent's pretty thick. Yeah. And uh, you kind of, sometimes you're struggling to keep up with, you know, what he's actually trying to say. But yeah, it's, uh, we don't really get a lot of andre talking but this is no. <laughs> interesting yeah.
2: so hogan hogan gives this thing where like they'll never beat you know takes two of them they'll never beat andre and and, and andre's back with the the world champion and you know they're just loving each other and and he challenges them to every arena around the country and in the, in the world he's going to fight him. so you know this this feud continues
3: so now we're going to get to see macho man in action um yeah, yeah. he is part, of course, of the uh, pumpkin dunk. <laughs> but uh, that doesn't quite count. And perhaps as a sign of things to come, i got to ask the question, why no TV for Tito? Yeah. Um, Macho Man gets a promo with uh, an interview with Mean Gene. Tito does not. Yeah. Tito's a champion. And uh, then Macho Man, I'll, I'll get to the interview in a second. Well, we'll keep it all in order. It's... um. Not particularly special, but they're still yeah. pulling the, Like you know, why a uh, woman, macho man, and you know he gives him the gears for yeah, that, yeah. and then you got to ask that something wrong. Yeah, with yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, say and asks Elizabeth, you, you know why, and she's like, I just want to help Randy, yeah. and and then finally he asks, Are you ready? And yeah, isn't uh, it
2: unusual for someone so new to? Oh get yeah, it? he
3: comments like they're still like, uh, you know how quickly he's yeah. You know, so even though Macho Man got pinned at, by Hogan at prison, you know, yeah. this isn't really a part of the storyline right. tonight. That's nobody knows that. Nobody <laughs> knows that. So it's still Macho Man's meteoric rise. That's right. So he just, won't you ever ask that question again? He's am ready. I paraphrase, but anyway, so it's pretty brief. And they've got orange and black, nice Halloween yeah. colors. And uh, the, uh, the music hits.
2: Yeah, we actually get his music. Yeah. yeah.
3: Now... Macho Man was a big fan of a wrestler. I called wonder if
2: that was actually pumped in. I didn't even think about it. What if Saturday's main event? If they added it in the way they added it in the other songs.
3: Good question. I didn't, I, I
2: didn't really listen to the crowd to figure out like whether it was. Uh, yeah, know.
3: I feel like they would have played it on the night. Yeah. Now you might know this: the '50s wrestler. Gorgeous George came to the ring. Of course, that song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Macho Man was a big fan of the Gorgeous George wrestler. Yeah. And uh, would later even have a girlfriend named Gorgeous yeah, the character, Her yeah. character. Yeah. I think they paid for the rights so that they could they use did. the name. <laughs> That's right. So, he was in a way paying tribute to Gorgeous George every time that he used, you know, pomp and circumstance. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I. I am a fan of Tito, and I now see that uh, this is a shame that he doesn't get to talk, and he doesn't get an entrance on TV either. Yeah. Eh, Well, what are you going to do? A sign of things to come. But anyway, so the match is pretty good, and one of the characteristic things is that Elizabeth holds her ropes open so Macho Man can get yeah. into the ring. And instead of the gentleman opening the door for the lady, <laughs> uh, you know, that's not how it goes. That's right. So they have uh, their, their, the match starts, and um, it's a good match. Macho Man gets in a lot of offense, and um, he isn't having to, he has to throw a couple of punches and kicks before he gets in, you know, legit wrestling moves. Um, and, uh, you know, it's enjoyable. They're, they're uh, when Tito starts to get his own back, and Macho Man takes it outside the ring, you know, and runs from him. Like, there's a classic heel move of leave the ring. And when you're coming back, into the, and, and, you know, the dope will follow you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so when you get back into the ring, you turn around, and as he's sliding back into the ring, you kick him as he's, like, sliding into <laughs> the rope. So that's a, it's a great move. Macho Man uses that to get the momentum again. Yeah. And Jesse keeps calling Tito Chico. Oh, yes. And Vince McMahon keeps... Uh, You know, pointing out his name is Tito. That's what I said. Chico.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, Tito's book. Don't call me Chico.
3: (laughs) Oh, I forgot the best part of the promo. Damn. Okay. Well, we'll see if we have to edit this or if I can just recapture the magic. (laughs) The best part of the promo is after Gene asks a question to Macho Man, one to Elizabeth, one to Macho Man... He says, okay, well, there they go. And the camera stays on Macho Man, uh, on Gene Okerland yeah. as Macho Man and Elizabeth make their way to the ring. And then Gene lets his gaze drift down to her backside. <laughs> and Vince McMahon is like, Gene, Gene. And then Gene Okerland does the best guilty look at the camera. Oh, like he's been caught yeah. looking at her butt. <laughs> and, Mac- and then McMahon says... Never looked at Captain Lua I'll battle that way! <laughs> that's, that's a highlight of the, uh, yeah. <laughs> of the pre-match. Yeah. So the match is good. They do end up outside. And yeah, I think uh,
2: right before they get there, like Tito's kind of like thwarted a lot in this match. He doesn't get a lot of momentum. No. And then at one point, finally, that last 30, 40, 50 seconds before... What you're going to talk about, Tito finally starts really nailing Savage and he gets really, he gets on fire. You know, he's he's punching him and kicking him and he's really getting to him. And the and, crowd is hot for him. The and crowd loves Tito. He, he sets up the flying forearm and Savage bails. <laughs> he like Savage, like, gets out of the ring so Tito can't do it. And that's what leads to the chase to, yes. you know, what you're getting to.
3: So Macho Man tries a pile driver outside, <laughs> right. and, you know, you the no, the out. yeah. mm-hmm, and there aren't any pads at this point. That's right. But they get a double count out. It's That's actually right. a pretty short match. It is. I mean, it's a... Uh, Typical program- for Saturday's main event. Yeah. And it was great. So, but still in character uh, with with this sort of short-changing Tito I'm gonna say yeah uh, you see Howard Finkel in the ring and he's gonna read the announce uh, he's going to announce the results to the audience the stu- the uh, actual eight nine thousand people that are there yeah but the TV show cuts away so we only learn from Jesse and Vince and it's a double count out oh, so yeah. you don't get the TV time of like and still intercontinental champion you know what they wouldn't say and still they would say however you know the belt does not change hands on a count out yeah. so you're you know you still your intercontinental champ the pop Tito yeah. doesn't get his pop of like I'm still the champ that's right yeah and so they cut away from that we don't get to hear Howard Finkel announce that right and, and they're just shortchanging Tito
2: yeah yeah it's like they're looking past him they've already they got plans
3: unfortunately I mean as much as I support Macho Man like they should have given Tito yeah, a little it more makes it, due
2: you know hey like you know all the wrestlers often say this it's like you you don't tear the guy down. You build him up because then that means makes it mean more when you beat him.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. so a bit of a missed opportunity to make Tito to make Macho Man look better by giving Tito a little more respect. That's right. They cut away from Think and uh, the theme yeah. here. No TV for Tito. <laughs> that's
2: right. And we go to this really weird, strange, like Mr. Fuji gritting his teeth and getting ready for yeah. the, the kung fu challenge, and he's he's <laughs> apparently giving himself a Dougal, double noogie buster or something like that. Like yeah, not even funny. sure what's supposed to be going on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's making the craziest funny sounds.
2: And, and and you know, that's that's the extent of it. I mean, there's really nothing else other than him just driving his own knuckles in this super extreme close up of his face, and you know, like just super concentration, and then we get into to this, it flashes to a different dressing room, and there's Ricky Steamboat, and he's active, and he's he's breaking boards. <laughs> he's like doing karate chops and kicks, reverse kicks, and you know that's what's gonna send us to commercial and get us ready for this you know special kung fu challenge.
0: And the dragon Ricky Steamboat,
4: we'll
2: be right back. So when they come back, <laughs> we get uh, Gene and Miss Elizabeth. And the whole thing, is you can see in the background, you see you see Shiki Baby <laughs> and Nikolai are passing a pumpkin, you know, between their because you're putting the pumpkin between your like cheek and your like chin and your neck and your shoulder. You're kind of holding it, and then somebody's coming up at an op- the opposite angle and trying to with their cheek, chin, shoulder, and <laughs> whatever, yeah, trying to trying to grab this these little mini pumpkins.
3: It's a really awkward segment because I think that this is a party game. You're supposed to go boy, girl, boy, girl, so yeah. that guys they'll, and they'll, girls get, they'll, they'll, you know, one get in close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, what the hell are you doing? Like, when you've got, like, the bad guy team is like five beefy 270-pound men that are, it looks like they're about to start kissing, making out, That's you know, right. like, it's, it's it's just awkward from the word so, go. So
2: they're uh, they're practicing in the background and you get, uh, you get Gene starts practicing with uh, Miss Elizabeth, so. I wondered about <laughs> that. This is the early
3: days where macho man doesn't yeah, exactly. have much creative control.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we, everyone knows how uh, yeah,
0: you know Mean Gene. We want we'll talk to you about that. Yeah, got a word with the old girl. And yeah,
2: so they get... they kind of leave this segment with uh, Gene, you know, snuggling up on Miss Elizabeth trying to get this pumpkin, and that takes us to a pre-taped role of uh, how Roddy Piper spent Halloween night.
3: Well, it's our second reference to Piper Manor because <laughs> Mean Gene was interested in the plumbing, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Piper Manor. Now they've um. They're in Roddy Piper's kayfabe home. Well, who knows what, what they're yeah, where they're shooting. It it's a nice house that they've got uh, the life-size cardboard cutout of Roddy Piper. Um, outside, the first shot is an exterior, so they've got uh, the Halloween decorations outside the house and the the life-size Piper. And then they go inside, and I'm pretty sure the same cardboard cutouts behind them, you know, yeah, as they, yeah. they do the kitchen shots. And, uh, you know, we've got like about a, Five minute segment yeah, here. Like, yeah, um, really. <laughs> I'll try not to get too carried. But what you see is, um, you know, you got the happy Halloween and you got ghosts and cats on the walls. And then you see like a big stack of bowling balls and sticks <laughs> yeah. and then a, a pile of bricks That's and right. tinfoil. So uh, basically, Piper is, you know, his mouth is running at 90 miles a minute and, uh, mean Gene <laughs> comes in and Piper's wrapping the bowling balls as giant candy apples That's and right, wrapping yeah. the bricks as, uh, chocolate bars. Yeah. And, uh, of course there's some plaid in the set and his tablecloth is, you know, the red tartan sort of thing. Anyway, so, um, Gene, uh, or Vince asks him a few questions that allow Piper to, you know, spout off about this, that, and the other, some <laughs> off-color jokes and, um... But the, uh, you soon learn that uh, the angle is uh, trick or treat. Trick! And so he's <laughs> got a nasty trick in mind. He's got to emphasize the trick. The trick. So uh, some kids show up. That's right. They're trick-or-treaters. And uh, you got five kids, more like. Three, two of them are just, they didn't have any more costumes, so they just, like, stand off camera. But you got yourself a Hulk Hogan That's and right. uh, a ninja and sort of a, I don't know, Cindy Lauper Cleopatra. I'm not sure. It's just a, a little girl who's got a sparkly wig and a, a face mask. Anyway, these kids, before they come inside, they're like, now remember last year. So, you know, they're, they remember Mr. Mean Mr. Piper. That's right. So he drops the bowling bags through their Halloween candy bags. Stuffs so a that, stuff
2: brick through another one. Yeah,
3: <laughs> so that their candy spills on the floor. And he's like, oh, no problem. I'll just say, let me just get that back in there. He grabs another bag and shoves it full of, you know, bad candy. And yeah, yeah, he's steals taking their candy. It. candy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's super excited about like, no treats. Oh, something no, Oh, boy. And the kids... <laughs> you know, leave with their damaged bags and, you know, but the rib is on. So outside the house, the kids are like, I hope Mr... Piper enjoys his chocolate-covered red peppers, <laughs> and then you cut inside. to Piper's like,
4: ah! oh God, <laughs>
3: yeah, grabs a yeah. flower vase, throws away the you know the flowers, flowers yeah. and drinks the water. And like, it's a pretty good bit. Yeah, it's, Big it's Man's like, oh, oh, you know, he's yeah. doing
2: the overemphasizing laugh, and yeah. yeah.
3: So it was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a little slow to start, but did I you mean,
2: did you recognize Hulk Hogan? I w- no, that was Frederick Kohler, who was the main, the oldest of the kids, in Mister Mum.
3: Okay, Mr. Mom, I Michael Keaton, Batman. Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that was what threw me off at the time when I watched this the first time. I was like, wait a minute, those aren't just random kids. That's that actor from that movie. <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> as, as a youngster watching this, I was like, I, I knew something
3: was up. <laughs> right. I didn't recognize him. What uh, Piper says, uh, oh, look, at you, you've got the same size arms as Hogan. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> I forgot the joke, but I knew he yeah. insulted him. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> Good bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's Halloween. Hello, mighty Spidey. Hello, Fester, my bu- <gasps> Sylvester still No, much too handsome, you gorgeous thing! You whole the rika! It is Halloweeny! It is such fun preparing for the little monster you take us.
2: So yeah, they come back and uh, there's a very short segment with uh, Vince McMahon and Hogan and just sort of like, what's going on? We won't even touch it. It's just not even worth mentioning.
3: Yeah, the, the weirdest thing. Hogan cuts a promo on the Piper's yeah. <laughs> candy section and yeah. did no relevance. That's <laughs> filling airtime. <laughs> so we, but we're, we're ready for
2: more warm-up <laughs> for this Kung Fu match. We're not, we're not in the ring yet. We're still... <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> so this time, Gene's back with Mr. Fuji and he's breaking bricks. Right. And eventually he breaks a board over his head, ah! You right. know, and it's they're really really going for it. So they come back from commercial, and Don Morocco, looking like Fuji Vice Plus, is uh, ready to go with his Hawaiian shirt and his sunglasses. He's managing Mister Fuji in this case in his street clothes, and Mister Fuji's in the ring ready to ready to fight. And they go to a steamboat interview with uh, mean Jean and. Uh, this is where they're going to show us the footage of uh, them attacking Ricky Steamboat and swinging him like a swing and, and hanging him and all that stuff we talked about in the first half. And uh, Fuji's like, so he, pardon me, Steamboat says something along the lines of like, so far you've only felt, you've only felt Ricky Steamboat, but tonight you're going to feel the dragon. <laughs> and he's like, I've done enough talking. So you know, and he gets to the ring, and that was always. Steamboat's thing was action and in the ring because he didn't ever really cut the best promo, so it was good no. that he kept it nice and short. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's the best idea with Steamboat. Prone to flubbing.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's right, exactly. <laughs> and then for some reason, Gene says, "I don't know, I've got a bad feeling about this. I feel uneasy." Like some, something along that lines. So I'm not sure what he's referring to, but you know, here we We've go. We've already
3: seen him practically lynched outside the yeah. ring.
2: <laughs> so the, the men get in the ring and the you know the squaring off and facing off and doing all these over overdone sort of karate poses and, and the way they're holding their hands, you know, like making these little, like, weird, you know, strike poses, uh, co- cobra, you know, strikes or something. And McMahon's getting on, like, we have this special kung fu challenge and there's a special set of rules. Which he never follows up on. <laughs> they never explain to us what those rules are mm. or how it's a kung fu challenge. Right. <laughs> There's
3: quite, a, quite an age difference between these two oh, com- yeah, competitors. Yeah,
2: for sure. So, I mean, they're back and forth. They're throwing strikes and blocking. Steamboat's getting the early advantage. Fuji does, you know, come out on top for a while and, ha- and holds the advantage for a good stretch of the match. He does drop one of his, uh, he likes to get, when the guys are prone on the ground, he, he stands at the right distance and then he drops the headbutt on the crotch. and <laughs> That always looks like, you know, pretty, pretty nasty.
3: The inner thigh, that's uh, perfectly <laughs> legal. And over. The lower abdomen. Actually, that's one of the first things, the uh, somebody throws a kick, like that MMA kick, which looks like, and unfortunately does land yeah. on the cup sometimes, yeah, but yeah, you're going yeah. for the uh, upper inner yeah. thigh. Somebody. That's right. So there's one of those, and McMahon says, uh, perfectly legal. Uh, <laughs> um, despite appearances, that's. Uh
2: <laughs> yeah. So there's a point where, like, McMahon's really cheering for Steamboat, and Jesse starts getting mad about him, like, you know, what do you mean you're impressed with, you know, Steamboat? And then Fuji gets the advantage and really nails Steamboat. And uh, and, Mick- and Jesse's like, what about that? Are you impressed with that? And McMahon's like, yes, I am. And I am impressed with this. And he's actually, like, giving Fuji some props and stuff like that. So, you know, Ricky's trying to fight back, but Fuji keeps regaining the advantage. And at one point, he does the most ridiculous thing. He has, you know, Steamboat kind of out on his feet, kind of dazed. And then he, he goes for this, like, two-finger, you know, up up to the sky with his other fingers closed like a fist. And then he comes under Ricky Steamboat's chin, but he kind of misses for a second. And then he gets it in there as if this is some sort of a hold. And Steamboat's kind of, like, selling for it. And then he flicks his wrist, and Steamboat throws himself in the air to make it look like Mr. Fuji has somehow flipped him with two fingers.
3: Yeah, well, that's like how the British tell you to fuck off. You know, they show you those (laughs) two. And the tradition is, is that... uh, British longbow archers would uh, show that to the French soldiers that they were shooting arrows at like that, you know, like, because if you got captured, right. you know, you had the risk that the French would cut off your two fingers oh, used yeah. to shoot an arrow wow. and that you couldn't fire a bow any longer. So one way of uh, slagging off, The French was to show them you still had your two bow shooting fingers. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, I didn't know the history of that.
3: Yeah, the longbow played a huge role in uh, a a very significant battle between the English and the French where the English— I remember
2: looking up like, the history of, like, the F word and, like, but didn't come across that, you know, know, that's a whole other, you know, aspect of it, right? So, yeah, it's cool. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah,
3: actually, I don't even think that the f word is involved in this one. It's just like it's yeah. there. We give people a middle finger. Yeah. These guys That's give what I meant. you yeah. and Fuji. They we give they give them the Fuji. <laughs> I think
2: right or wrong, we sort of assume that that hand signal means f off. You I would know? say so. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, so Fuji at this point tries a suplex, which gets reversed, and then Steamboat is beat up as he is. He makes his way to the top rope, and he comes off with this drop kick, but it's a one footed. It's like a karate, you know, top rope drop drop kick. And he jumps on Fuji for the pin. One, two, three. And as soon as that happens, Morocco's like in the ring, like you can't even like wait a second. And when Steamboat goes to turn around for a moment, Morocco spins him around and you would swear the great Muda was there because all of a sudden there's this red spray, but it's more of a liquid and it's. All over Steamboat's face. He's completely covered in this like spray. You almost imagine that it's maybe like hot sauce or something like that. It somehow blinded him. Although I don't know how good that would have been to be in Rocco's mouth.
3: Yeah, well, the 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 mist did not mystify. <laughs> I mean it was, looked bad. <laughs> it looked like know? yeah, it was it was it was looked like a botch. Muta was awesome. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. It wasn't that tight. It wasn't it wasn't the great kabuki Muta mist. It was yeah. literally some sort of a liquid that was supposed to be irritating his eye. They were really playing up the fact that he was blind, so the heels beat on him, but unlike the previous ones where there like look like they're trying to kill him they they sort of just you know they 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 put some boots on him hit him a few times and then they're just sort of like satisfied with the fact that they get to walk away and he's flailing on the ground looking for help and uh you know this this feud's gonna continue so after that commercial break we come back and it's mcmahon and jesse are hosting this final event to see who's gonna win between the captain lou obano team and the bobby the brain heenan team
3: Right. We'd had a little bit of a segment earlier where they were practicing, and now the competition.
2: Yeah. So McMahon's reviewing what happened, and Jesse's not surprised that that big, fat, sloppy pig, Albano, (laughs) won the pie-eating contest. It's a really great way he says it. It gets a good laugh out of us. And uh, he's not surprised he would win. And Heenan won because he's the brain, and you need brains to win, win this uh to
3: dunk for pumpkins. To dunk
2: for pumpkins or apples to apple. No, pumpkins. Isn't it? Oh, it was pumpkins? Oh bum, I thought yeah. That I was, I I was Bobbin for Apples. Okay. Duh. So as Jeff mentioned, there's a, you know, J.Y.D. in his mummy costume is uh, you know, gonna be passing to Tito, who's then going on to the hillbillies, and then there's Albano. So they're they're making their way through, and the people are lifting up people's, like, capes and stuff. So Jesse's, like, right away, like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on in there? They're cheating. And he's, like, he's, he's assuming there's a lot of cheating going on, which maybe there is. <laughs> and it's interesting because the pumpkin gets to Albano, and he needs to pass it to Hogan. And I'm thinking, like, mm, I don't see Hogan doing this, you know, little game here. So, of course, Albano's like, oh, 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 and he drops the pumpkin. <laughs> so that way Hogan doesn't have to partake in this silly thing that kind of, you know, would embarrass him and stuff like that. So... So yeah, they 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 completed five passes and now it's up to the villains to try to like top this. So Mean Jeans hosting the villain side and of course but Jesse comes over and he announces that Super Rod has arrived and he's their secret weapon, you know, and he's he's in on the game now and stuff like that. So he's calling them the favorites to win because Cause, because Roddy's there. So you get Bundy passing to Nikolai, who's passing to Shiggy Batman, and these guys are really going out of their way to show you that they're literally just passing this thing with their hand up against their neck, and they're just, like, passing it very quickly. So for some reason, it gets from Shiggy Baby to Elizabeth. We don't even get to see it because they cover it with the uh, they cover it with the cape. And then Roddy's after Elizabeth instead of Randy. We're not really too sure why. <laughs> and this is that really famous like sort of moment, the clip you'll see over and over and over again, which is Roddy Piper sort of like going as close as he can to like to Miss Elizabeth without actually like, you know, hugging her. But he's just kind of, but he's not putting his head up where the, the pumpkin is. He's just sort of lingering and keeping himself to her as long as possible. And eventually this pumpkin falls out and the heels are all upset and the interesting thing is that like savage instead of getting mad at piper for sort of like horn dog and his girl he's like mad at elizabeth and <laughs> he's you know he's pointing at her and eventually he does the classic like you know the finger and the thumb underneath the chin you know kind of thing like you know giving her giving her the business for like how, why they lost and stuff like that
3: it's and, brutish behavior but it was building a heel character yeah so yeah. you know she was yeah, I mean, nowadays, people probably wouldn't approve, but, you know, this no, is programming was, from was, the
2: 80s. It was intentional to establish heat with the crowd because they're like, how yeah. dare you mistreat this woman yeah. kind of thing, you know? And, and uh, yeah. So there's another commercial break, and we're going to end with uh, Gene, Jesse, and McMahon. And uh, Jesse says, uh, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, nothing could, you know, how are they going to outdo this? And Jesse wants to let them know that next Saturday night's main event, he's like, you Jack McMahon and you ugly little pumpkin <laughs> to Mean Gene. And Mean Gene's reaction is so great. Like, he just, he looks yeah. so offended.
0: <laughs> Somebody might carve you.
2: <laughs> so, can't get any better than me and Roddy, you know, and he doesn't even mention Orton, but the fact that they've confirmed that the next Saturday night's main event, they don't actually name when it's going to be like they did the, t- the previous time when they said four weeks. They just say the next Saturday night's main event, there's going to be that match. The Hillbillies, versus Piper, Orton, and Jesse Ventura.
3: No Orndorff on this card.
2: You're right, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, not everybody's on every card, and he'd, yep. he'd gotten a lot of the first two, right? Yep. So, yep, Um, And yeah, they wrap it up with, like, a long set of highlights from the show, and we have this weird plugged-in Halloween music that I'm going to assume is a, you know, not the music that played on the show. I don't see it written anywhere explaining what that song is, so I'm going to assume that it's... The sweet sounds of Phil Collins taking us home <laughs> for the end of the show. And that's going to close out Saturday's Main Event 3. Okay, so before we really close things out, we need to talk about something that appeared on MTV in this time period and a certain song that got released.
3: So a little bonus... To uh, you know, a nightcap, if you will, for our episode here—something um, just goofy, fun—that actually I enjoy more now than I think I did then. Like I didn't. Oh wow! Um, just when we thought that the rock and wrestling connection, you know, didn't happen at all or is dead, uh, no. It's fully in effect because what we have is this really cool music video that is just full of people. It's got all the wrestling roster and it's got the rock and roll celebrities that have, uh, you know, got on board. So Cyndi Lauper is there in a strange wig, but we're pretty sure it's her. And she, oh, and, definitely, yeah. yeah. and that's her husband. You mentioned his name, David. David Wolf, Who actually, you know, came to the ring with the Freebirds and Cyndi Lauper at one point. So he was yeah. a part of this duo. Anyway, so what we have here is a... uh, It almost looks like a video hit show and at number 32 (laughs) in the charts, The Wrestlers with Land of a Thousand Dances. Yeah. And I have a personal connection to the song I'll get to in a bit, but here's this fun video with sort of like two sets of bleachers on the stage if you will and so <laughs> the heels on one side and the faces on the other and then you've got this um you got the band in front of them Cindy Lopper's playing bass and yeah. some guy that I don't recognize looks like he's a Bon Jovi gu- lead guitar player type um but I do and then you've got the David guy who's also got an instrument, and eventually you'll see Meatloaf on the drums, and a whole band who's playing. You know the song; it's a familiar song. If you don't know it, it goes na 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 na. And so that's easy to remember. Sixties or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. There, Tom Jones did the version, and I think. Otis Redding, perhaps, did a version of it. Okay, yeah. And I've so, seen
2: where there's multiple versions
4: of it, yeah.
3: Yeah, big R&B Motown hit, Land of a Thousand Dances. And um, this incredible energy and great production values. They've got multiple cameras and they're cutting. And uh, sound. it seems to me like uh, they actually were able to record the vocals for the song in this really sort of like authentic almost live like they're all singing their lyrics while surrounded by their bad guy buddies or their goodbye good guy buddies they're goodbye, <laughs> goodbye buddies um but um so i mean geez i don't even think i want to list them all because it's just everybody's no, it's, there it's,
2: it's for starters you have to watch it a couple times to just play like who's that guy or something exactly. like, or just to spot everybody. Cause like, you have to look behind some people's shoulders and across somebody's yeah. like cheek to kind of like spot a face and go, Oh, wait a minute. That's, you know, such and such. And, you know, almost there's...
3: like the cover of the Sgt. Pepper's album from yeah. the, the Beatles yeah. where you look at who are all these, you yeah. know? Yeah.
2: And I mean, and the neat thing is of course you've got all the big stars of the day. The one person noticed by their absence is Hulk Hogan. And he so he's not he does not appear in this video. He also does not appear on the cover of the wrestling album that this comes out on. But there is a picture of him. There's like all the wrestlers and McMahon and Mean Gene are on this cover, and then like Hogan's at the, like front in front of the drum kit. There's like a like a you know an eight by eleven or whatever you know picture of like Hogan.
3: That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. No Hogan in this. Yeah. But well, it's really fun. Yeah, I um, mean, it's tempting to uh, you know call they, they all the things. It's just too almost too much yeah, to, to mention. Yeah. But um, out of in no particular order, one you know for the AWA kids, <laughs> we got uh, a really fun little taste. We got to see our East West connection reunited momentarily, by, momentarily because Adonis gets his line, line. Yep. yeah, and then the next line is Jesse Ventura, and uh, they kind of look. Uh, quite like they did in the AWA, except for, I mean, not entirely, but at least in the context of Adrian Adonis will soon go down a um, Gorgeous George. uh, Well, yeah, I'm going to retract that because Gorgeous George was a snob, a regal um, and effeminate only in a little bit of his, you know, plugging his nose and didn't even want to, you know, he had the, the mm-hmm. I think his valet yes. would uh, bring um, a cushion, you know, so that George, <laughs> you know, could like, if he had to like lace up his boots or something, he would kneel on it, but just everything to make a pampered life for gorgeous George. That's right, yeah. So it wasn't really about being gay, yeah. which the Adrian Adonis angle went down. Right. Um, and sadly, he's, he also... Well, I guess it's not for me to comment, but like he put on a lot of weight. My point is is that we got to we got an AWA flashback. That's what I'm yeah, talking I mean, about. Yeah, and he had
2: the leather jacket on like he always wore yeah. an AWA and and this was, you know, enough or like he's in between the weight. So he's like he doesn't put on the Adrian adorable Adrian Adonis weight. That's right. He's like he's like halfway in between.
3: <laughs> yes. And uh he just Volkov, uh, intelligibly, you know, (laughs) unintelligibly, you know, singing and it can't make out what he's saying, but there are certain phrases that stuck with me to this day. Like I, for some reason, I, you know, I saw this when I was a kid, you know, and I always remember Jimmy Hart warning,
0: I'm going to steal your little girlfriend. (laughs)
3: Yeah. yeah,
2: And that's one of the lines they changed. They changed several little lines and that was one of the ones they rewrote was that Jimmy Hart one. And, uh, I can't even remember who says it, but the squash you like a, something potato, like you know that was well, the one that one, was gonna.
3: That uh, I'll slice you like a French fried there potato you go. Yeah, thank was Adrian Adonis. Yeah, and then Jesse says, "I'll crush you." Then I'll see you later. Yeah. And then Jimmy Hart comes yeah. in.
2: And at one point, you get Heenan's gonna stretch you to New Jersey or something like that. And
3: That's funny because when wrestlers talk about hurting each other, you know, yeah, and yeah, fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk about stretching. Like, yeah, I've correct. heard, like, Greg, Greg Vance, say, ah. I'll stretch him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Miss with me? I'll stretch him. Yeah. Real,
2: real wrestling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, it's really neat. And there's like this wide variety. Like, there's, you know, if you spot in the background, there's Barry O. There's Mr. X. Like, that, he's like a, sort of a standout as far as like, you know, what's he doing in there? But, you know, that he gets his little moment in the sun. And I don't we, think
3: Macho Man gets to sing anything, does he?
2: No, uh, he does not. But you see him and Elizabeth in there. And, you know, uh, there's just so many people pictured. And I did read up a little bit of stuff about this, and one of the interesting things is that they realized the day of, they didn't have an audience. There was a screw-up, like somebody in production was supposed to arrange, you know, they had to do something to bring in a crowd for this, (laughs) and they didn't. So they had to put up this, like, I think they did it through a radio station, I forget what I read, how it happened, but they did manage to get together this big crowd um, at the last second. And, but the whole thing about producing the song and the video, and of course, You know, we watch a finished product. This is, of course, there's a lot of, like, one-off these lines. They're all recording lines, as Jeff said. So it's going to be a long time of this audience watching these people sway back and forth, clapping their hands and doing lines. And I'm sure they had to, you know, redo some of them. But the one thing they knew they couldn't redo was the big skirmish at the end. So... The producer was like adamant that, like, this has to work because if we have to run this again in front of this crowd, we're not going to be able to get a reaction out of them, you know, because they're not, you know, they don't know for sure that there's going to be this, like, you know, moment where all of a sudden everyone's fighting. And so they were just, they were really happy with how it turned out because there's lots of retakes on the, the singing lines.
3: Ah, the, well, schmo-
2: the schmoz at the end is like, let's clean. describe that.
3: It's pretty yeah. great. Um, so towards the end there, um, you've got. Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff looks like he's the first one who's going to, you know...
2: Mr. Wonderful doesn't get any lines, oh. but what he does get is, like, every time the camera comes by, he's just constantly going back and forth, smooching his biceps. <laughs> yeah, and instead of clapping his hands, yeah, he's yeah, kissing he's his arms one. in
3: time. <laughs> smooch, to de- smooch de- smooch to de- smooch <laughs> he,
2: Even the bad guys are into singing, but Mr. Wonderful's just into kissing his own arms. <laughs> yeah.
3: So it's a great video. But anyway, towards the end, when, uh, you know, trouble mm-hmm. is, when the tension's too much to hold back. Hyper uh, wants the song to stop. Oh, he that's comes right. Out and Thank like, you. you know, Hyper. He, he's like, all right, that's stop it! that. Time. Yeah. Yeah. oh it's so great he's like take your goonies and stick them up your nose I'm sick time tired of uh, your goonies and the rock and roll and uh, so at this time this is heat uh, this is peak Orndorff versus Piper. So yeah. since Piper shuts down, you know, and pushing around the musicians, it's Orndorff who yeah. you know somehow gets like catapulted. I think the
2: U.S. Express put their hands down, and he, okay. like, you know, he puts his foot up on one, and they they kind of launch him into the air. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. so he
3: lands, but Piper, you know, um, smartly <laughs> smartly ducks out of the way, and somehow Heenan, gets you know, spun gets around. spun around and <laughs> is facing Orndorff. In the meantime, someone is thrown from the drum kit. Orndorff, the floor tom, which is the really big one, like a hula hoop size that like yeah. stands on its own. Not the kick drum, but anyway, Horndorp catches it and perfectly, <laughs> you know, breaks it over his head, but like the um the skin of the drum. So like it's yeah. you know, he uh, it's like putting the rain barrel over yeah, his he's head. He's wearing an upside down garbage can or yeah. something. Yeah. Nobody blades. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a goofy And yeah. then there's
2: yeah, there's a moment of sort of this comedic like the two sides charge yeah, and there's all this fighting going on, but there is a couple of moments where I think like Barry Windham breaks a chair over somebody and it does start getting kind of like almost violent. <laughs> yeah. It looks like
3: people are collecting weapons, yeah, you know?
2: Exactly.
3: And, uh, it's, uh, but it's, I think that this video is like really professionally shot and yeah. the excitement. They managed to keep the energy of the crowd and the wrestlers and everybody's hopping and bopping and clapping their yeah. hands. It's really
2: great. I, as a kid watching it the first couple of times, I knew something was, like, kind of off in my mind. Like, uh, as I've said, like, I already knew wrestling, you know, from the time I was watching AWA. Like, when I was a tiny little kid, I knew it wasn't real. But I also sort of, like, in my head thought, okay, well, they're going to present it as real. And this video was a way of sort of presenting it as, like, not real. Because, like, how did all these guys that want to kill each other, why are they standing there and, you know, subjecting themselves to being, you know, in a song? And so it kind of stood out as, like, really strange and weird at the time. And, but it got all this, like, mainstream attention. As Jeff mentioned, it literally rose up the whatever hot top billboard charts. Well, I, think I thought it was, that like, was kayfabe. No, they, I, I've looked it up. I think it got up to, like, number 80 or something on the top 100. Like, it was, you know, it got up pretty high. And it got quite regular rotation on Dude. MTV.
3: Well, as high as Wrestle Rock Rumble?
2: Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Not a good top that. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of, you know, it, again, McMahon finding a way to attract attention to his product through non-conventional means.
3: It's awesome. Yeah, Google that, The Land of yeah. a Thousand Dances. And, yeah,
2: most people have seen it. But a lot of people probably, you probably, you know, if some of you just maybe haven't, you know it. But if you haven't watched it in like 10, 15, 20 years, like watch it again. It's, it's again, as Jeff said, it's much more entertaining for us now than it was, you know, in 1985 or 86 or, you know, like, when, whenever I first got to see it, you know, and it was something that was on, like, it would get on to different things, they would play it over and over again, they would keep finding ways to bring it back, but it was quite, uh, it's quite enjoyable, and so bizarre, like, could you imagine today... WWE or AEW trying to like line up their performers in a studio with an audience and doing something like this I just I don't no. know how they could I don't know how they could pull it off
3: not even like that NWO era yeah like, no couldn't yeah no. so it's just a, uh, a unique time where uh, the, the the silliness and the camp was at its peak
2: yeah and and somehow acceptable and somehow worked
3: <laughs> yeah I like it better now than I did then yeah for sure so I mentioned I have a personal connection to this song, and uh, here it goes. You're going to get to know us a little bit uh, as you listen to these podcasts, and I enjoyed professional wrestling to the degree that I wanted to somehow be a part of the excitement of uh, performers in an audience, so I did get involved in uh, theater, and at one point I was doing musical theater, and we would sing and dance, and uh, at times we would pick up your roast beef and uh, go and, uh, you know, bring you more buns, you know? So I worked with a certain company a long time and I don't know if you've seen that movie, Dave, where a dinner theater actor has to play the president, but he's doing Death of a Salesman, a very serious <laughs> dramatic play, and an old lady knocks over her teapot, and she's like, <laughs> Oh, waiter! Waiter! <laughs> and he's doing his dramatic speech, you know, nearing the end of his life as he's mopping up this lady's spilt tea. <laughs> so, I've had my moments of, like, sheer humiliation, but, I mean, I've also been able to uh, perform for a living at various periods of my life, and uh, was very grateful. So, you you know, there are times, I, I I understand when wrestlers talk about not getting paid. I've done shows where I don't get paid, and I was lucky. At times, I'd made, uh, for a little while, a nice little living. So, I got to sing Land of a Thousand Dances, na-na-na-na-na, at the... Um, as a, a show that, uh, I'll fuck it, I'll say it, I starred in, I was uh, playing Tom <laughs> Jones in a show called Tom Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> and uh, the uh, these shows were ensemble pieces, whereas everybody, the six actors, it was supposed to be a load spread evenly. Everybody contributed to the show for sure. But as it goes, in this one particular show, there were two actors who didn't sing a single song. Oh. And I sang uh, like seven or eight out of 15 songs. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody. This was my moment in the sun, where I got to be Tom Jones in a show called Tom Jones and the Temple of Doom. So the idea was that Tom Jones was not only a nightclub entertainer, but on the side, he was Indiana Jones, whip cracking. <laughs> so I got to wear the Indiana Jones outfit, but I to- I had a, a British accent, like uh, he's even though he's Welsh, I just did an English accent for my Tom Jones, and uh, it was great fun. The opening number was Land of a Thousand Dances, <laughs> and they put me front and center, and I was supposed to dance like Tom Jones, Yeah, and I mean, that wasn't what I did with my life before I got this gig was go around. Tom Jones dances, you know, with a frenetic energy, a, a kind of an unscripted they're not ballet moves he's just given her and he has this raw charisma that the women responded to in a crazy way so it was a lot of pressure for me to go out there (laughs) shake my hips and try to be you know this sex symbol tom jones i really i think we were more successful at the comedy aspect really than (laughs) anything else but we um we had a lot of fun parodying the uh indiana jones movies and involving the tom jones angle and i got this so basically i sang this song five nights a week for about nine months which so it was really a part of my life and i actually akin to the wrestlers (laughs) lifestyle i was being told like no put more into it like you really gotta you know dance harder yeah yeah. i gave myself whiplash and (laughs) experienced pain that It lasted. I had to take some shows off. Yeah. An understudy went up, and um, I was the pain was unbelievable. I finished the show, but uh, yeah, I, I got injured entertaining people, and um, you know. I'm sure that going into show business, I was influenced by watching professional wrestling and wanting to be a part of the excitement of people responding to, you know, other people. Yeah, and so this show
2: would have been like, what, 91-ish, 93-ish?
3: No this show that I performed in, this was my comeback. I did a show in 91. Oh, and then okay. I opened my big stupid mouth and uh, found myself in the back benches of the company until my return in 2010. I
2: see, okay. I am thinking the Tom Jones, the, like the Indiana Jones part got me, but it was James Bond was the first one, wasn't it?
3: I, indeed. Okay, did, sorry. Do, that's I, right.
2: I, I sidetracked you with my wrong memory. Yeah, 91. My, my point I, was just being that, like, you know, let's pretend it was whenever it was, Yeah. is that you've already got this connection to the, like, like, you're not coming to this song cold. Like this is this is the wrestling song. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like... For me, I'd seen when I went
3: and did it in the Tom Jones show, I remembered it as yeah. you know, the song that the wrestlers did. And That's they were right. like, You're gonna do the Tom Jones version. I'm like, no, I'm doing the Greg the Hammer Valentine version. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It was just so great to get to perform when I had the opportunity to do so. And I know that it was watching professional wrestlers that made me want to, you know, entertain people and have them cheering and booing and whatever. Cool. Don't forget to come back in a week's time because we will be looking at the next episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. We know that there's going to be a six-man tag. That's right. But the rest uh, remains to be seen.
2: Mystery. (laughs) That's right. So we'll announce next week what we're doing. So we're going to do the fourth Saturday Night's Main event. But we also have some other plans because there's some stuff from 1985 that we want to touch on before we move on into 1986. So we implore you, we encourage you to... Follow us and click that subscribe button. That's the thing we really need. If you want to leave us a review, that would be very helpful because that's that all that algorithm stuff that helps get our show out there, gets more people listening. If you like what you're hearing, we need other people listening too.
3: Yeah, we, we'd like you to write in and tell us how the show makes you feel. I think we did already have somebody who commented on the internet that it well, just... we've
2: had a few comments. We haven't gotten the full letter, but we've gotten yeah. the, the direct comments. I've some... gotten some, you know, I'll throw out some names here. Guardian 17 and Mac Maroon from my HF Boards, uh, you know, buddies. They're, uh, they've been... Very lively and active, with uh, encouraging, you know, the show to go on. So hopefully they're still listening and uh, enjoying the show.
3: Somebody said it brought back their childhood memories. That's
2: right, yeah. So that's what we're here to do, and we're going to do it again next week, Saturday's main event four. Till next time, see ya.
0: Mm, yeah.